When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hey everyone, welcome to Waypoint Radio. I am your host. I have dethroned. Rob Zachney, and by dethroned, it's wow. his wedding. It's his wedding anniversary, and so <laughs> I'm hosting the podcast uh, instead. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Klumpik. I am joined, not by Rob, but I am joined by producer Ricardo Contreras. Hello, producer Renata Price. Howdy. And I want to introduce everyone to my new uh, son, the 13 foot skeleton Jackson Thank Bones. Um, ja- uh, Jackson, Jackson Bones. Jackson Bones was uh, named by my oldest daughter. Uh, we said, "What is what? We need to name this skeleton. It's it's part of the family now." And Jackson, and she said Jackson because that was a kid that was at her birthday party, and she just pulled it out of her ass. But I was like. <laughs> She's like Jackson Bones. I'm like that's like that's actually a great that's actually a great name. I'm Jackson I can't Bones like rules. no notes. Uh, I want to show the two of you the sense of scale. Uh, I I showed one image, but this is a this is a much more appropriate uh, waypoint image, uh, which is is me in front of my skeleton friend. Um, While in the lands between, uh, looking for the incredible, in fucking incredible. I love this. Well, where's the uh, tibia mariner? Uh, there should be a tibia <laughs> mariner. Like, I just want to see like a, a little skeleton in a boat sitting in one of your neighbor's driveways, or uh, um, just like Patrick looking at the skeleton about to crush him, not realizing that his his true enemy, the tibia mariner, is just is so close. Maybe that's what I. You know, frankly, what I, maybe what I should do is just bring. This is from uh, Fobwashed on on Twitter. Steve Kim, uh, <laughs> a wonderful wonderful individual, has done all sorts of cool. Uh, stuff over the years uh, and uh, maybe I should put a little bonfire on. maybe instead actually instead of creating a ho- I'll create a quote Halloween set on my front yard but really I'm just creating Elden Ring and people <laughs> will just mistaken that because Elden Ring creatures yeah are f- frankly indistinguishable than something you might find at Spirit Halloween and better designed anyway I but, feel like uh, you could definitely pull just from the Spirit Halloween catalog and and mm-hmm, get there mm-hmm. you know uh but yes i after much after three years of turmoil uh it is resolved i have the home depot skeleton i wish i could say i did i tried to pull strings i tried to do the some people are stuck at an airport and have a following on twitter and at the airline to try and get special treatment i 
ask my followers because someone's got to have like a hookup at Home Depot, right? Like just right. like put, just like f- just get just get me settled yeah. on the back end. And the <laughs> the response I got from people who work at various departments in Home Depot uh, in different parts of the chain were, "There's no helping you. You will get no favors. There's no way to give favors." There are oh people who are like. My husband is a manager or like a regional manager and there's just nothing. You cannot, you just can't, you just can't get these skeletons. (laughs) Like you get the skeleton by hoping you show up. And so I was, I took last Friday off, uh, most to do yard work, uh, and to, uh, prep for my daughter's, uh, birthday party. And I was like, you know what? I should probably just start making it a point to go into the Home Depot. Just like stroll through. I can just like park my car in the front early in the morning at 8 a.m. when I drop them off at daycare. It's just open. It's my best chance that maybe one will be there. It's not going to be there today. There was nothing set up a few days earlier, but I should probably just start make it part of my routine. Some people work out in the morning. I go to the Home Depot, go to the entrance, go immediately <laughs> to the exit and hope there's a there's a skeleton on my left. And I start walking and I see a couple of like they've just started putting out some stuff. and I'm like, oh, OK. Well, at least this is a sign we're moving in the right direction, and I should probably pick up the pace and come two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just, you know, there's a Starbucks around the corner. I'll just, like, make it my whole thing. Uh, some, you know, some older people go to the mall and, you know, like, walk or, you know, they do their walk there. Uh, I'm going to the Home Depot, and I, I approach it, and I see the big box. And my breath is, frankly, taken away because I wasn't prepared on the first attempt to actually have the skeleton uh, manifest. And we are just manifesting so many things wow, at Waypoint right, lately. Yeah, right, right. We're manifesting games we want. We are manifesting $300, ske- sorry, $299 skeletons <laughs> we want in our life. Okay. Um, and they're like, they have these big signs around it that are like, the tone of it is, hey, motherfucker, take one. And also, we're not going to hold this shit for you. You need to take <laughs> that big ass box and get it the fuck out of the Home Depot. Because we're tired of people looking for these skeletons. It seems like Home Depot as a corporation is enjoying the uh, the skeleton attention. I don't know that the workers at the individual Home Depots enjoy this process nearly as much as the attention that Home Depot gets on on social media. And so I I look at this box. I'm like, well, I know it's big, but how heavy can it be? Attempt to move the box and realize, oh, no, it's 90 pounds. Um and so I have to like go back, get like one of the, uh, I don't even want you to call them, but like, you know, like it's, I can't even use like a, a normal shopping cart. I had to get like a flatbed thing oh, to put yeah. this on. Some, some worker identifies the skinny white boy attempting, do you, do you need help? Yes. You okay? Yes, I need it. Yeah, I'm okay, <laughs> but I need help. I have a herniated <laughs> disc in my back. I probably shouldn't try and do this myself oh. and get it to my car. And like, I'm doing like the hand measurements of like, okay, well I put my hand around the box. I go like, you know, we try and walk up. To, yeah. You like try and walk it over. Yeah. We're like, okay, this is roughly the same size. I was like, this, this is going to be a tight fit, but I think if I just give it, give it a whole push, it'll get in the back of that car. Uh, not a chance. Uh, not, like not even close, <laughs> like wildly far off. And so the result is I'm at a home Depot at, you know, two in the afternoon, uh, opening up a box of skeleton parts, like shoving these parts around car seats, mo- like uh, removing car seats, putting oh them on God. their side oh so I can fit all of this into the back seat. Someone came over. I was like, do you need any help? I was like, I mean, yes, 
but in what manner are you speaking? Like, I need help in a broader sense because I'm putting a $300 <laughs> skeleton into my I mean, car, but no. Yeah. I the mistake was made this. much earlier. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> You're too late yeah. to help me there. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was, like, very funny because I, I like, FaceTime my wife to show her the, the skeleton. She's like, you know... You're so hard to get to spend money on anything. And then you'll just buy a $300 skeleton. And I said, yes. <laughs> this is justified, I swear. <laughs> Everyone has their things. This is my thing. Rob spends $3,000 or whatever on speakers. I spend $300 on a skeleton. And that's me <laughs> treating myself to a to a joyride. Uh, just so we can't got- stop thinking about the meme where like a car salesman slaps the back of a car and says, this, this baby can fit so many bodies, <laughs> but it's just, this baby can fit exactly one 20 foot tall skeleton. <laughs> this, this baby can fit so many bones. Uh, and so I got, I got it home and then it was a manner of, it just sat there in the garage all weekend. I was like, well, when do we, it's August. Is it sp- is this, if I can buy a skeleton, <laughs> I can put a skeleton up in the yard, right? I feel like yeah. when I went to Costco, not only do they have Halloween stuff up, they're selling Christmas trees at Costco. That's trash. It's That's, get out, 80, get the it's fuck 88 out of here. degrees out it's right now. August and the Costco. Well, yeah. now it's September for everyone. It's actually September uh, when we're recording this, too. This we're is true. Wrong. This is true. <laughs> yes. But. But I mean, I, it was August when I was contemplating, yeah. Com- yeah, yeah, contemplating this, and so, so well, maybe I'll sit on it in the garage for a week or two. Then you know, we have uh, the, the second of two birthday parties, the one for the family for my daughter. Like four beers in, I'm like, I'm building that fucking skeleton. It's going out front right now. <laughs> good and good. A buddy, a buddy of mine down the street comes over to help me resurrect the dead. We 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 put it up, and then as as I'm like putting the stakes into the ground. To like, so it can maintain its posture. Uh, just the most um, ominous dark clouds roll in, and I I check my phone. It's like, oh, it's not just going to rain. We are going to have a, a an old fashioned Midwest knock a couple trees down thunderstorm that'll last about twenty minutes. I'm like, yeah. so I go get. I I I had put the stakes in uh-huh. good enough, and sure. then I'm like w- running to the garage to get a hammer. I was like, those stakes need to go. Those need to bury into the ground. Like as like I'm, I'm like chipping paint off of the cheap stakes that have been given to me because I need that to be all the way down. Jackson then, Bones uh, must not be allowed to escape. <laughs> well, we were gonna we we're gonna find. I, I've seen people have this stuff in their yards year yeah. round. I was look. We're gonna put this. We're wow. gonna put this to the test. We're gonna find out if. What am I gonna do? Take it down? Um, the whole point is that this is now a permanent fixture of our our household. And so, are you yeah, part of an we, HOA? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay, you're good then. You're, you're yeah. scot Fuck free. Em. No one can stop you. <laughs> no one can stop me. Skeleton so, no, we around. We don't have a homeowners association. We just have judgment, which I don't know if that's better that's or not worse. Strong enough? No, that's um, not strong enough. Jackson Bones legal. is too powerful to defeat Jackson Bones. No, no, uh, judgment. Judgment will do nothing to him. Oh no. Well, I've 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 thankfully gotten nothing but compliments, including the. The the elderly folks that moved in across the street from us, uh, they came over and were like, "We really like the new skeleton in your yard." It's like, "Thank you!" Like, what a what a delightful delightful thing to say, even if you're lying. Uh, and but now we've also become there is not one of these anywhere near us. There are some houses that uh, do a really good job of really fun outdoor 
Halloween decorations, the kinds of which they are clearly doing it not just for themselves, but because they enjoy people coming up on their lawn and exploring like the what they've made. Uh, we are now a tourist attraction. And so when we're we're like watching TV <laughs> at night and I have these two lights set up uh, at the bottom oh, of it. I want to oh, show you what this. Him. Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> Let me show you what Jackson looks like uh, at night. Uh, here, but so when we're watching television, we will hear like giggling. It's like, what's anyway? People are walking dogs and things like that. And no, it is people coming across this. Oh, uh, oh the bisexual lighting on Jackson boats. Yeah. Look, that was also chosen by my daughter. I don't know Amazing. if she's trying to tell me something. We'll just see how things pan out. But what a king. I, I said, do you, you know, <laughs> you know, Jessica, red would be for blood. And she's like, no, I would, I would really prefer the pink and, uh, or pink, purple and blue. Like you can, you can, in the app, you can like swing your finger around like a color wheel. And those, nice. those are the ones that, that she landed on. That's awesome. Um, and yes. Uh, so, so now I've thought about putting like a tip jar out in front of Jackson bone. It was like, look, 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 you take a picture. I don't mind. Like the, all this does is justify my purchase, but, uh. You know, maybe put oh a maybe God. put a quarter in there. Maybe put a dollar in there. It's like yeah, it's like a lemonade stand, except you get to take a picture with a a skeleton the size of a house. God, I, okay. So Wait, the, the eyes light make, up too. They blink. They're active. Okay. They're. I did not realize this was part of it. Yeah, they <laughs> they blink. They don't follow, but they are. They have an animation loop uh, that is d- delightful. Amazing. Sorry, Ren, uh, you were saying. Yeah, I want to note one thing about uh, the timing with which you've put up this skeleton mm-hmm. and kind of your in the relationship between the timing you've put it up and your neighbor's response to it. You put this skeleton up on August 30th? 20, August, let's see, 25th, 26th, 20, August 28th. August 28th. Mm-hmm. So, Patrick? Yeah. They know it's not for Halloween. It's too early. It's August. They, kn- I, I feel like everyone has to know in their hearts at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet, I bet some people are wondering. Oh, is that skeleton for Halloween? It's a little bit early. This was the follow up <laughs> question. There was a uh, 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 yesterday. Uh, there was like an outdoor uh, happy hour uh, for people to talk about the block party that we're going to do in a month or so. And it was also an opportunity for everyone to make a comment about the skeleton that was very clearly visible from the out the, the driveway happy hour. Um, and that was very naturally nail on the head. Uh, Renata was was oh like a skeleton is so goofy and fun and unique and a, a nice flavor to the block. Where does it go? Uh, it lives after Halloween there. and oh every every time it was a long pause. It doesn't go. It just moves to a different part of my lawn. I think it will go in the backyard in my, 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 my thought now. And obviously it's been, you know, haven't had, haven't had a Jackson for very long, but uh, is that on holidays where it would be fun to dress up Jackson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then Jackson will come to the front and he'll have a Santa hat on or whatever. Um, uh, I don't know at this point what I, Jackson might have to skip Thanksgiving. I don't know that there's like appropriate attire for for Jackson on, on just Thanksgiving. Put a fucking, so. No, it's fine. It's fine. You just, just put just a fucking leave him. put a fucking pilgrim hat on him. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> leave him. Or 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 problematic Jackson bones yeah. representing uh, <laughs> representing the colonizers. Look, uh, we all have a beak. Our, 
a beak and a little oh, okay. turkey. The turkey might the turkey <laughs> I've seen so I saw someone do they had Jackson Bones. Uh, well, I guess not everyone has a Jackson Bones. That's, I'm just not. It's not ubiquitous. That's what they. But they, that's what we call them now. They re- they retrofitted a uh, like a a Bones Raptor, but like replaced it with like a turkey face. So it was like almost like the skeleton had a giant turkey raptor as a pet. It's like that's a pretty. That's cute. I don't have that's that great. kind of ingenuity. Um, so. Uh, so I think it's going to go in the back. We have a, a really cute spot in the backyard by some trees that Jackson can hibernate in in between holidays. So uh, I, and I then, feel like you've you've you're covered from now through December if you want to do right. the Thanksgiving. And then thing. January is when I've got to yeah. think about. Wh- Although what, what you could put doing? like a like a like a robe and a beard to do the three magi because then that <laughs> takes you to like the eighth of January, I guess, or whatever that date is. <laughs> you know. And then if you like, wait, you just like put them down to sleep. Just like mm-hmm. resting, and then uh, mm-hmm. Easter Bunny, right? What? Yeah. What if I just get a big? Co- what if I just get a big coffin? Oh Can I get a custom coffin <laughs> made coffin. for Jackson? Yeah. Uh, that that he can just he can just lay in out out front. So uh, so yes, we're we're very proud of of Jackson. He's a he's a he's a delightful uh, member of my of my family, um, and uh, I'm just glad to I'm just glad to have checked it off the list, and I hope other people out there are able to get. Get a Jackson in their lives. Um, uh, and I recommend going to Home Depot when it opens and just just crossing your fingers. Dreams do come true. Um, that's it. Costco has their has their own. Uh, I was I didn't get Home Depot birdies, yeah. but I did get Costco birdies and people were slipping me deets about upcoming Costco. I've also had people slipping me early photos of upcoming AMC tie-in drinks. I'm getting into oh a weird God. like <laughs> I'm doing what a weird place you're DMs doing. Are. <laughs> I'm doing less. I'm doing less games journalism than I am. <laughs> Please wait for the launch of my AMC drink Patreon to to justify the cost of just Drinking going to the every AMC. single one of them. Well, because the thought I don't I I can't actually go to do all. I don't have enough babysitting time to go do all that. But like, what if I launched a Patreon that was just what if I just go to the AMC bar, yeah, and drink and drink that, and then record a video? So, so stay, so stay tuned. But Costco has one, but it's not nearly as, I, it's not nearly as charming. Like the aesthetic of the ah. Home Depot one is like it's. There's something about the look of it that is so funny to me, and I, it's the Costco one that I saw is did not nearly damn uh, stack up. You hate to see it, but at least you got the good one. At least you got the good at one. At least, at least I got the good one. Uh, so let's run through. So you're saying ask- the skeleton can't Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, uh, let's uh, run through uh, a little bit of news. Um, there's a Nintendo Direct coming up, rumored. I will say I've heard that mm. this is this is also happening as well. I feel pretty confident saying this Nintendo Direct is happening. The part I don't know about. Uh, that has been uh, alleged is that it's going to be Zelda focused, like this Wind Waker Twilight Princess port, which I have separately heard about in the past, uh, mm-hmm. is is going to be there. Um, is the that chance a, of is that is that rumored to be like a double pack or is it just like one? At yeah, I th- yes, my yeah, my understanding of it was huh. that it would. Well, okay. I don't know. I guess I don't know. Like I had heard about it originally as like a duo pack. I don't know how Nintendo feel. Like Nintendo could probably charge separately for like Wind Waker probably is fine <laughs> yeah. on its own. Twilight Princess doesn't have the same reputation, but they could probably oh, the phrase will come out get away one. with it. Uh, 
I I loved Wind Waker when it came out. I, Twilight Princess is probably the one mainline Zelda I have not finished. Uh, Damn. So I'm actually curious. Have you? Did, did you play Twilight Princess? No, I did not. That I didn't have a. What was that? Wii. It was Wii a Wii and, and a GameCube game. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think at that point I had traded my GameCube in for my PS2 and a DDR pad. <laughs> wow sorry this is the whole thing this is the only thing the show is about from here on what? out can you can you tell me more about that moment yeah. in your life well um i mean it must have been middle school because that was when i was introduced to ddr the okay. anime club at at school would do ddr off of are these are the are these the u.s release because the u.s mixes of ddr yeah. or are you importing okay no i like never that. got that deep but it was what like was it the, 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 pa- the paper clip trip uh, was one of the things you could do, or I guess this is P- this is PS2 era, not PS1. Yeah, yeah right? PS2, the PS2, PS2 stuff. PS1 era, there was like a paperclip trip, a trick you could use to like have it play imports if you didn't. Oh, have a to like or a, to, a to bypass shark. the region locking. Yeah, wow. yeah. I just used like, I just used I just used a Game Shark, um, sure. or like there was a Game Shark equivalent that allowed you to to bypass that stuff. Anyway, please. But, what, how, so yeah, you're in the club. I mean, I'm in the anime club. Yeah, You're in the anime club, and and none of us can um, afford an actual pad. So we do we 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 put little arrows on a piece of paper and put them down where approximately they would be on a pad, and just do it on the floor, no! following following along no! a video. No! That, no! <laughs> that was <Kids> rock. <laughs> yeah, um, until one of us did get a pad and got a Step Mania, which is the the PC one that you could like import songs and people would make steps for uh ah. so we played that but then i was like i want to do this at home uh so i went to my parents and was like look i don't play this gamecube as much anymore uh we can go to gamestop trade it in trade in my games and i'm sure that's going to be like no money for a ps2 and a ddr pad and th- it's exercise and they were like, actually, yeah, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good fucking pitch. Mm, mm. It's the only time I've ever gotten like a video game out of my parents that wasn't a birthday or Christmas specifically. Uh, because they were like, yeah, if you're gonna, that seems, yeah, I mean, you're jump, it's pretty, it's pretty intensive if you, if you get into the heavy difficulties. So sure. Um, and then, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically it. Got DDR Max uh, 2. I'd like to ask another clarifying question. Uh-huh. Was this one of the fabric pads or is this like a plastic pad? No, it was it had um, to be plastic. Yeah, it was it one of those plastic. like plasticky foldy ones. Mad, like Mad, Mad Cat. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of those. It like, was one I, of the I ones that was used in the in the GameStop already. So one of those yeah. <laughs> folded up. I, I those, <laughs> the fail rate of those pads <laughs> was ass. So my favorite part. So I had a bunch of those too. And. Uh, the best was when the sensor would slip from the spot that it was supposed to be underneath <laughs> right, yeah. the arrow. And so then you just, in your mind, it's like, well, it does work if I just move and my foot just gotta a little further adjust, to the right. Adjust. And so you would just permanently adjust. Um, eventually I got, I never got, I never got serious enough to get a, uh, a metal one. Um, no, like, yeah. you know, try and try and be, uh, to, to be equivalent to the arcade. They were very intense. I did get like thicker. I would import ones that were like thicker yeah material that would last uh longer especially once you were playing on maniac difficulties yeah that, like you were you were you were really doing some intense work once i on once those, i left on once i left home i did get the thick uh thick pad thick padded ones you know with the foam mm-hmm. inserts on the inside yeah 
uh, yeah, so uh, tw- yeah, Twilight Princess, I, I brought home a copy of it on the Wii when I got the Wii because I was like, well, you got to buy the Zelda game. Right. I played it for like 10 minutes and was like, I think I'm just going to play Wii Sports instead. And just never, just never. And also the like try hard gothic aesthetic like didn't do anything <laughs> for me at the time. Uh, please, Ren. Man, what a game that is like released on two consoles. And from what I understand about Twilight Princess, utterly fucking underserved by one of them. Just, just, just release it on the game. It's fine. Just release it on the, cause like, from what I understand, the control variants of the Wii version, it doesn't help. No. It does not help really at all. And I just, I just look at it and I go, oh man. Uh, of course, everyone's going to remember Twilight Princess for like the mediocre Wii version as opposed to like the totally competent and playable and like enjoyable GameCube version. Well, and that's what I wonder is like how much of I just don't remember much about my reaction to it other than like wanting to play Wii Sports with friends and being sort of taken by the motion controls at the time. But I, I can absolutely imagine a world in which this seems sort of goofy. Why would I want to play 40 hours of a video game? this way like throwing right. me off wanting to spend substance of time with twilight princess and so i will i will not be shocked if because twilight princess is one of those that has not like had quite the reappraisal uh yeah. if if it is due for one um and this would be the time for for that to happen and mm. so i'm actually i played like 10 hours of skyward sword and then but i already beaten that game and it was neat to revisit but i didn't feel compelled to see it all the way through but twilight princess would be one that I, I would like to. I don't feel the need to do all the mobile or like the 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 the, the handheld games, but this I've played all the mainline games, and it seems which silly that games I have you not played? The Game Boy Color ones, like the Capcom ones, um, um the and I guess Min- Minish, Minish Cap, Cap and then or- Oracle of Seasons and yeah. Oracle of Ages. Those are the ones I have not. <sighs> I guess do the do the DS ones even count? People don't even really like those. Uh, games. No, they're fine. <laughs> well, whoa, 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 which DS ones? DS or 3DS? Uh, 3DS, 3DS, DS, 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 DS is the one with DS is the one with a train, right? Fan, fan, fan. What's the Phantom, Phantom Hourglass? Hourglass? And then what was the other one? I didn't play I mean, any I, of those, even though I love. My understanding is those games are fine. I'm not saying they're bad games, sure, but in I terms was, of hey, you need to like if you're a Zelda fan, you need to play this, which I know is Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, and, and Minish Cap. Cap. Those, yeah, those, <laughs> those Minish Cap particularly is very good. Link between, well, oh yes, Link Between Worlds. The, the 3DS is, one people. That, that okay, was the, yes, when you said yes. the DS ones. I was like, okay, let me let me go through my list. Yeah, I specifically I meant now DS. Understand, yes. I now yeah. understand. Link Between Worlds is fantastic. That is a that is a great great uh, game, and it, it's a bummer that some of those games won't Spirit get there. Spirit Tracks was the name of the train. Spirit one. Tracks and Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, those yeah. are the two DS ones that were like, you want to use a stylus and a Zelda game? And I like apparently they were fine, but fine. I keep waiting for it because I don't think they've done like proper. Minish Cap, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons re-releases, right? I could uh, be wrong I mean, on that front. Those might have so. been Virtual Console, they, but they're not on the Switch, right? Yes, they released as part of the Nintendo, I believe this is true, part of the Nintendo 3DS Ambassador Program. <laughs> they were part ah. of the uh, handful of games released there, uh, also with Metroid Fusion, uh, which I remember uh, playing a ton right. of Metroid... God. When the fucking Nintendo Ambassador program came out, I was going on a flight to Disney the next day. Uh, Wait, is this the same flight to Disney where you downloaded Soul Hackers? That was the flight back, but yeah. Oh, but then <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, the same, same trip. trip. Yeah, same trip, same trip, same trip. <laughs> Amazing. Um, also downloading this over airport 
Wi-Fi? No, no, no. This was before. This was the night okay. before. And I was like, oh, man, I've heard a lot about these Metroid games. Let's try that. I'm an let ambassador. Me, let me try. I'm an ambassador. I bought this 3DS when it was too expensive. Let's check And there are no games to play. Hey. Don't you want to play the weird sexual Sega touching game? What was it? XXYY oh or something God. like that? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yes, there was Sega 3DS touching. Maybe that was a DS game. Um, I can't remember. Someone will write it and, and correct me. I do. There, there, that might have been a DS one because it was like touch a bunch of things and it was like, hmm. Vaguely feel weird playing this, but I yeah, because the 3DS had had nothing to play, right? And so it was just like, hey, want to play these old games? But yeah, I remember playing the Minish Cap uh, on my Nintendo 3DS, and also playing all of Metroid Fusion in one night when Damn. I couldn't fall asleep the day before flying to Disney, and I was like, this is my first. I was like, this is my first Metroid game. I'm gonna play it all in one <laughs> night, and I did, and I fucking loved that game. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, is that but yeah, that's my Minish Cap memory. Huh? I guess that game is pretty short. Yeah. Fusion? Yeah. Fusion's like seven hours if you if you if you if you hit it. Right. All the Metroid games are pretty are on the short end of like longish games. Yeah. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't uh Super Metroid like twenty hours? No. No? No. How long did it take Austin to beat it? Long seven um, seven point five hours, nine hours to hundred percent is what how long tweet says. Huh, look at that. Yeah. That game is that game is also yeah, shorter right. than I didn't realize it was that thing. short. That yeah. changes things. I need to I need to beat all of Super Metroid. But I haven't, but, I haven't but, but that's that. part that's part like uh, frankly part of the appeal of those games yeah. is that they are like they feel like completely full, satisfying experiences, but also don't consume your life. You know, like they're games you can finish in two or three really satisfying settings, which is like one of the things I really like about the Metroid series in general. Um, uh, and frankly, it sounds like, well, we, we may get that Metroid prime remaster yeah. remake, whatever they're, I don't know exactly how they're going to position that. Um, but that is also a game that I am yeah. like, really excited to never revisit. beat that game. I, oh, really? I got to the uh, final boss and then okay. I had trouble and then I traded away my GameCube as we spoke about earlier. <laughs> so these, okay, these stories are connected. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so like playing playing that uh, higher resolution cleaned up a little bit. I just I, that game. I think people have forgotten how good Metroid Prime is, Man. and it won't take. It's not a game that was going to require a lot of tweaking to like blow a lot of people away again. Um, mm. uh, and I never played two. I played one and three. Some oh. for some reason skipped huh. Echoes. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe because it had kind of polarizing. I think reviews, two but is. I know a lot of people yeah. claim two is is pretty great. Oh really? I had heard the other the op. It's the weakest of the trilogy. But but like, what's the floor? Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I, the three is still pretty good as well. Like right. and they don't, nobody really makes games like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you like games like that, uh, one is untouchable. And then it's you know it's kind of preference aesthetic. Two is also apparently much harder uh, mm. than than any of the three. So maybe they're just bad at video games. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, elsewhere. Um, Konami is teasing that they are going to announce a what is, how are they phrasing this uh a new entry in a world loved series which really just frankly feels like an opportunity for Silent Hill fans to What's be platform again. what's Disapp- a platform what is d- any information about platform 
I can't imagine they would an- announce a they pachinko would... machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah gonna, they're gonna like, fuck you. <laughs> they're gonna fuck. No, 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 Patrick. They'll they'll fuck us. They'll do mm. it. Hmm. If they do not explicitly uh, say, it's "Hold on, this out was for a, a home video game console." This was at TGS. I assume they're gonna fuck me. There was at least this a is TGS. To, this is right? going to be at TGS, but TGS probably has a gambling section, right? Oh, <laughs> it's been a long time oh, since God. I've been to TGS. I w- I went only went once. Uh, like one of the years they were showing The Last Guardian, because uh, I got to interview uh, a way to at that when I worked for for G four. I I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if in 2022 there was a pachinko gambling section mm, <laughs> to TGS mm, to try mm, and attract mm, a different crowd. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. I it, it, like there are so many rumors at this point that I like Konami is up to shit. I you know I can at least confidently pass that along. That Konami is up to shit. I am not going to get on the. <laughs> we've paid. Telling you what we've I've, paid Kojima a million dollars personally, no, and then also funded don't. the game. <laughs> um. You know, I don't want to get on the there's too too many uh, gaming insiders have touched the Silent Hill, uh, like bzz, and just, it just ouch. like it just like pricks you. Ouch! Ouch! ouch. Don't Ooh. say anything about that. Don't touch it. Um, gonna get sparked. because it just bites you in the ass, and uh, <laughs> because a lot of what Konami has been prepping for has been pushed back a bunch of different times for various reasons. But they they are, they are actually weirdly on the cusp of I think announcing. I don't know if it'll be the stuff they're announcing is going to be good, but. They're going to be announcing stuff, which is, look, I think at this point, Silent Hill fans would take, and I include me among them. I don't consider myself a Silent Hill stand, but I have played the vast majority of that series, with the exception of Silent Hill The Room, which is also one that I would like to fix one day. Uh, they just, just give them, just give them a treat. And that treat can be toxic. That treat can taste like shit. They just uh, want the treat. Like just, and like anything at this point um, would, okay. uh, would make them happy. What? I'm trying to think of what the thing that would piss people off the most. Well, be. If, if if the rumors are true, and I, I, I have heard similar things as well, uh, they're like bloopers doing a Silent Hill 2 remake. That is it. You have, hello, made I am a Silent Hill fan, and my possible. hand happens to be a monkey paw. <laughs> ah! They're all curling! I, <laughs> the whole hand is um, gone! I mean, that truly really is, that it truly is, like, the cursed... You know, look, Blooper has done some stuff uh, that I have thought is pretty okay, but their batting average is not great. And their most recent game that was the most Silent Hillish of the bunch, even if you put, even if you put aside lots of very problematic story elements and like just view it as they've crafted like a, a just as a game you're exploring, right. it was not good. What was that game called? Uh, shit. The meat, the medium, the middle, the, the, the medium. Me- it's called the, the medium. medium. It's called the medium, the medium. It's not good. Go and if you want to go, if you want to be upset even more, go read story analysis of like what that story says about uh, <laughs> people. Um, I, th- I think another good. another bad one could be a book of memories re-release on mobile. Maybe that's what. Yeah, you know what? We should have like a whole podcast dedicated to what would be the most cursed Silent Hill projects to be put into development you getting them but like book of memories is that the psp game book of memories is the psp dungeon crawler <laughs> the loot the loot driven psp dungeon crawler oh, what baby the fuck? we are hey, proud I, to I, announce God, we are porting the pachinko game to ipad 
We're finally getting a home, a new, another. I'm actually has this hammer. This has had a home release, hasn't? Hasn't it? The, the Simpsons what? arcade. Konami made the Simpsons arcade that everyone mm-hmm, knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. I, th- I don't know if I got one of those like arcade one up like at home. Yeah, releases, but I feel like that came to XBLA right uh, there we at, go. at some point. Um, That's yeah, a big oh, friend. Everyone loves the Simpsons still, right? <laughs> oh, book of book of memories, long play. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, I forgot. This is Ren. Why would you put this in front of me? This is nightmarish. What is this? Who who made this? Book of Memories. uh, I'm just going to... Way forward. Huh. I'm just going to send you a specific timestamp. Yeah. Just so you can get a good idea of what's happening. If you could do me a favor and go to four hours, nine minutes, and 37 seconds. That's too long for a person to play. Go to four hours, nine minutes, and 37 seconds. Okay, hold on. I got to four, nine. I got, I'm going to need a second. No I'm worries. Like four, four hours, nine minutes, and 15 seconds. That's fine. Right. Kato, I'm go waiting. There. All right. Hit play, everybody. We're not going to sync okay. it up. It's fine. I just want to yep. get your like heart's reaction to what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I'm a little behind. I'm sure it's. It, I'm almost there. It's gonna hit me in a second. What is happening? Is it this winged creature? The Explos- air screamer, a classic, scr- a, cl- a classic Silent Hill monster. Oh <laughs> my god! This looks. This is awful. I'm trying to. Say, okay, what are our other options for? <laughs> The worst uh, thing that could happen to a Silent, yeah, Silent Hill, Hill. The Escape, the mobile spinoff from 2007. Ooh. Um, people have just been waiting for uh, this to, to to come back. This it, the They're monsters making... in this game is the monsters in this game is listed in Wikipedia: bubblehead nurses, wheelchair ghosts, frog-like monsters, ceiling monsters, flying insects, and hooded monsters. I mean, just bring all bring back the classics. You know, not many people are talking about this, but um, frog-like monsters actually represent the childhood trauma of Alessa's uh, encounter with a frog that jumped on her leg, and she got really scared by it. And so, <laughs> that kind of embodies that fear throughout the rest of the series, and has become like a landmark in terms of like creature design, and also the way in which our our trauma can affect our perceptions of reality. <laughs> I think they. Sh- I think if they they should just announce that. They're turning it into a battle royale. Jesus I think that would Christ. be that would be a really fun. Although, look, if we can get a Silent Hill Fortnite crossover, oh also, y'all, I think we need to play. Fucking... I think we need to play Fortnite again. God. Um, I've been playing Fortnite again. I'll play Fortnite. I've I've come in and hit some fools. Yeah. Oh, I know you've done that, I've but I feel like came hey, hey. Fortnite Fortnite might be upon us. Oh, <laughs> returns. I... The mm-hmm. only thing I want from Fortnite is for them to put the bow back in. That's all I need. That's all I want is just put the bow back in so I can be so I can be good at the game again. Please, <laughs> please. You can shoot with give other me, guns. Give me, give me my paintbrush, Kato. You don't understand. My, but if if a bow is in a video game, it will be better at using that than any any gun in that game. I don't know why. <laughs> it is simply the oh, truth. I, you, know, you know what, Ren? I I it is delightful to hear you say that because I am also bow pilled. Um, <laughs> any any time, 
anytime a video game introduces a bow and arrow, I will unfortunately have to hope that the game has been tuned as such to reflect that I will only use or primarily (laughs) use the bow and arrow as my means of attack. This is a good transition into normally here. I would be able to sit and talk about uh, the hours I spent playing the last of us part one, Mm. the, the, the re-release remake reimagining that would be after the break. Uh, Rob and uh, Matthew Galt and I have all been playing uh, it and uh, quite like it. In fact, if the sour taste of last of us part two won't leave your, do you want to dislike the sequel to that game a little bit more? The fastest way to do that is to play the first one and go, wow, they really squandered a good thing that they had here (laughs) with this sequel. Man, this first game is even better because of what happens later, which is not, usually that's because, wow, look at the setups and payoffs that happened from one game to the second. Instead, it's just disliked the second one to such a strong degree that the first one like feels even better um, as a result. So after the break, you'll be able to, You'll be able to listen to me discuss my uh, delight in the bow and arrow because the bow and arrow is very good in uh, The Last of Us. It's a very satisfying to knock an arrow back and just hit some dude way across the, the, the room. <laughs> it is, mm, it is, it is delicious. Uh, the game I have actually been playing uh, is a game that uh, Kato, you and I played briefly during one of the demo showcases this oh, yeah. summer. Um, Tiny Kin which I think I saw this described by Giant Bomb. Uh, maybe if not, you know what? They can have credit for it anyway. Uh, <laughs> as a, what if Pikmin was a platformer? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with like the 2D, 3D mix. Like yes. 3D yeah, environments like, with like little 2D sprites bopping around in there. Yeah. Yes. So I don't, I skipped past the intro. I don't really know what the setup for this game is. It's something about where you're like a little scientist and you're exploring, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids yeah. style yeah. environments in which <laughs> like, you know, the, the the main world is so big to you, but you are so small. Um, and the Pikmin part of it is that you are going around these uh, different environments uh, and you are picking up little creatures that have different attributes. Uh, the main one you have are these little red creatures that when you toss them, uh, they explode. And so you can use that to destroy things, to push things. Uh, There are, I think it's a blue one that will uh, move things. And so like there's an object that needs to go from one spot to the other. You toss them at that, they start moving. And the level I just got to, uh, the second level of the game, have little green creatures and these stack. So you kind of create your own ladder. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that's important is because it really is What If Pikmin, a game that was sort of like an RTS light. Uh, I never got super into the Pikmin games, but I always admired them from afar. It was like, these seem really neat. They don't do much for me, but these are cool and a, an awesome idea, and I wish they'd make more of them. Uh, and Nintendo sort of refuses to do that for some for some reason. Um, and uh, the platforming part comes in where uh, you are just using these different, like you're using ones to slide objects out of the way. You're using... The, the ones that stack in order to create uh, your, like an ability to reach like what seemingly like completely out of the way places. Um, it's far more of a platformer than a strategy game. There actually is no strategy element at all to this game, at least to, to the degree that I have played it. It is more that you'll encounter an object that requires, let's say, eight of a certain type. Mm-hmm. And so you need to go explore, find enough of that type. The exploding ones are the only ones that disappear there's plenty of them. You can amass like a mini army of them if you're doing uh, a decent amount of exploration. 
Whereas the ones that move and the ones that stack, those just actually continue to stack as you as you continue to play. Um, and the level design is really smart and interesting, and the platforming part is really great. I uh, it's uh, frequently when I, we do stuff for the podcast, it's like, hey, I'm gonna check out this game, so I got something new to talk about, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I started with Tinykin. Like when I got when we finished playing that demo, I was like, well, this seems neat. But like, seemed like it could be one of a million neat looking indie games that just kind of passes you by because you can't play everything and everything kind of smushes together. But I, so I approached it just like, oh, well, at least I can give this a shout out. I did like it the first time around uh, and then found myself playing three hours of it. Um, nice. And we'll absolutely be playing more of it. It is, uh, I almost wish there was more of a strategic element to it. There's a certain point where you get about halfway through a stage and it's just exploration. I think that part holds up pretty well. It is enjoyable. The platforming is pretty decent and the secrets are are fun to find, but there, there could have been an added layer uh, of interestingness to the dynamics of the game. If you had to worry about how you were using the actual thing, you don't, you don't even guide them from point A to point B. If there's an object that has to be moved, you just throw them at the object and they're like, we know where this goes. How? <laughs> I haven't even, un- I haven't even unearthed that objective because there are objectives you'll find by talking to different creatures, but the game just accounts for the fact that you could do things out of order by exploring. And so you'll throw it at like a purple object that says this object can be moved. And you're like, okay, move it. And they take it all the way across the map. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well that's fine. Um, so it loses out a little bit there, but, but I think it's all right. I you have to like, little... Oh, sorry. I love this little guy resurgence that we're in the midst mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, the guy, of little guy, essence, uh, tiny can, uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, that PS5 mm-hmm. game yes. that came out. Good game. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I played it a couple of months ago, and I'm gonna pick it back up uh, here pretty soon. Um, and uh, yeah, I just love this little resurgence uh, of little guys picking up objects and moving them around. And you, you know what? It's a large domain. You could be a strategy <laughs> game like Pikmin. You could be an action platformer like Kenna, or you can be a true platformer like this little fuck. You know, the, and that the little guy sh- subgenre is, is encapsulates. All sorts of ideas. All it's sorts of different thriving. <laughs> Are Pokemon uh, little guys? No. No. Okay. I don't know. Well, they're they're too individual. Like, I think part of the little guy aesthetic is like they don't have individual personalities necessarily, right? right? Like they're kind of a right. collective. Maybe they can identify in a group, like in Tinykin, it's you know, like they're the red colored ones. and they have a feature set. The red ones, the green ones, the blue ones. So, I mean, Pokemon's got to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you to you Pikachu. They may be small, but they're not little I guys. I name my Pokemon. I throw my little guys into a meat grinder. Like, <laughs> like... That's the that's real difference. Yeah. Like, Tepid Douglas, he's my friend. This little guy, that's a tool. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, well... Uh, my little friends in Tiny Ken, I think of you slightly more... Slight, just slightly above a tool. Not too high. Don't get... Don't think about unionizing, but like you're, you know, I think about you slightly more than a tool. <laughs> you, you, you aren't Tepid Douglas, my 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 Numel from Pokemon. You don't even come close. <laughs> does our does does our um does our collective enjoyment of the little guy does that undermine our desire for like collect unionizing and collective bargaining? Oh yeah, we love to be singularly in control of a group of people Listen, and I use want- them as tools. Hmm. Listen, if my little guys were capable of unionizing, then I encourage them wow. to. But right now, it seems like they aren't. And so... Oh, my God. 
Listen, if my little guys come to me and they say, we'd like to form a union, I'll just, I'll just say, yeah, it's fine. I will, I will go. That's okay. Uh-huh. You, yeah, you're unionized. Yeah, yeah. Great. They aren't fucking doing it. And that's the problem. (laughs) Little guys need to develop class consciousness and they need to do it right fucking now. Well, it's just too bad. That's a little bit higher up on the skill tree. And I just am not interested in adding points to that. So ah, class class consciousness is, 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 is the upper right of the skill tree for my little guys. But I'm going upper. I'm going upper left. It's just uh. Uh, little guys. They're just they're. They're part of the peasant class. They don't understand that, like, industrialized production will give them access to an education that will cement them into a true proletariat, at which point they could actually, like, engage in revolutionary action. But right now, they're just peasants, and you can't really have, like, a, you can't have a true communist revolution with a a peasant class. So I I need you to pick up that set of dinosaur bones and move it from one side of the room to the other, because I I need to collect that ticket um, so I can get that objective done. Um, So, uh... So that's Tinykin. It's out on, I think, everything at the moment. It's also on Game Pass, like a really delightful Game Pass game. Nice. Um, I'm playing it on my Steam Deck. Uh, plays great there. Um, but uh, yeah, that is Tinykin. Um, let's jump to a couple of questions. I had mentioned Fortnite, so I want to read this one from Sander. Hey, Waypoint. Over the past weekend, unfortunately, I got really in. I love that. I think there's been a lot of this phrase. I unfortunately got really into Fortnite. Like I've been hearing this from, I've been observing this on Twitter amongst my friends. I've yeah. heard this, like there's, there was a moment and I think this is, I want to read the rest of the question, but a moment when the building got de-emphasized and the characters being included from different IPs took off to such a degree. Yeah. I don't know when that exactly that tipping point happened. I mean, but there it was, became a point. It was a literal ahead. mode. No build. Yeah, no mode. build. Well, I know that, yeah, but I yeah. mean, but when did collectively so many people I right. know go, I'm a Fortnite guy now. Um, and because I th- there was sort of like, not like it was a shame to like Fortnite, but it wasn't cool to play Fortnite amongst like, I don't know, the class of colleagues that I could like, it just was not one of those games. It wasn't a Valorant. It wasn't a League of Legends. And now just everyone is playing Fortnite from what I can tell. I would say that it probably happened around, um, oh God. I think that the like recent like big island switch where it was like it became this like beachy theme uh, that it didn't really have uh, in in some of the other previous like versions of the Fortnite map uh, and the introduction like happened right before the introduction of no build um, from what I remember correctly. And so it's like right about when Spider-Man gets put in there, when Spider-Man gets put in there, that is when. That is, I think, right before no build happens. Uh, so Spider-Man gets put in there, Daily Bugle, and then also all the Star Wars shit. Yeah, uh, the Darth I feel like Vader that, era. That, that sounds, yeah, once people saw Darth Vader force choking or whatever his powers, you know, like it's it's been, it was around that like a, a certain set of IPs got in that sort of broke people's pre-existing sense of the logic of Fortnite that I think it, and then the, the you know, the, the Goku stuff yeah. is just like sent that into was, the stratosphere. DBZ was huge. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, when I shot Darth Vader with a 45 caliber handgun and then took his lightsaber, that was it for me, where I was <laughs> like, now I have Darth Vader's lightsaber and a child can't build a small apartment complex on top of me. And so that's the two things I needed from Fortnite. I needed the goofy shit and I also needed it so that a 12 year old could not build a small housing development directly on top of me while I kind of just had to sit there with a gun and be like, no, this is cool. Maybe <laughs> I'll get back into Fortnite. 
That sounds Patrick, fun. Patrick, let's play Fortnite. Okay. Play Fortnite. Um, and Sander from uh, Connecticut says, uh, over the past weekend, I unfortunately got really into Fortnite as a result of the Dragon Ball <laughs> crossover and recent giant bomb streams. I missed out on the Battle Royale craze of 2017-2018 due to being uh, way too busy with school. As I gravitated away from multiplayer games in general, I thought the whole genre just wasn't for me. Maybe it's a result of Fortnite's elegant design with a constant feed of things to get uh, to get and do in addition to the actual Battle Royale, which is perfectly timed for the one more game loop or the hilariously ridiculous aspect of the crossover nature of the game has become, where you get gunned down by a Goku doing a Bollywood dance or watch Darth Vader level a building with a, how do I pronounce this? Please, Kato, step Hame, in. Kamehameha. Yes. Uh, no, uh, uh, came, came him, hey. uh Or a Kamehameha. Kamehameha? Kamehameha. Yeah. Call me a mama. Yeah. <laughs> Only for a Destiny guy to flee on a flying Nimbus. Regardless, I guess I'm hooked now, and I'm highly considering buying V-Bucks to get a Bulma or Indiana Jones skin. So I ask you, have you ever assumed or stated that a game or genre was not for you, then completely 180 into genuinely really enjoying it? Thanks for the pod, stream, writings, etc. Wait, wait, wait. Well, while we have this moment, Patrick, yes. I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to, I'm going to open, I'm going to open my heart to you and cause uh-huh. this extends to you as well. If y'all need anything in Fortnite. You oh, just, right. I, f- I forgot about this. This came up during me. the Goku stuff. It, I probably will. I probably will. Cause I have wait, so when many is, fucking When is the V-Bucks. Dragon Ball, is the Dragon Ball stuff in, think, still in there? I think we might've missed, I, th- wait, can I buy, can I buy Goku in Fortnite right now, September 1st? <laughs> 2020. Dragon Ball. Wait, Dragon Ball will be crossing over with PUBG Mobile after Fortnite? Oh, shit. That must just be skins, right? Like on your guns and stuff like that. I can't imagine that's. I can't well, imagine. Like, I'm going to load up Fortnite Kamehameha right Mama. now. Um, well, it, it, it similarly, uh, I, I recently on Twitter asked people if they could help me understand minecraft so i can i play start playing with my daughter and yeah. about an hour later i got an email yeah. from microsoft an email from microsoft that was like hey here's some here's some minecraft resources also if you need some minecraft stuff for you and your daughter playing let me know uh that made me that made me laugh i need to, we're gonna have we to should, do a minecraft we should play minecraft soon. we should play minecraft. You know, we're not we gonna to play minecraft I just need to under, I like genuinely just need to understand how the interface like no you don't like Minecraft. no you don't that's the yes, good bit that's a good bit <laughs> but when my daughter asks me questions on how things work I need to be able to explain them to her um, right now she is playing on peaceful creative mode and trapping animals in houses but not to nice. kill them she's, she's like just, I want to I want to make a home yeah. for them yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, to the question is there a genre game that uh, to y'all that was one that you sort of had written off for one reason or another, I had a bad experience with, and then sort of came around on. I think not a full genre, but very recently, and this is, I, I'm sure there's other examples of this, but a recency bias is a fucking uh, hell of a thing, I guess. But uh, remember when I bashed... <laughs> Uh, multiverses a bunch on this on this yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> what? Yeah, I do. Hey, what? I had a very legitimate reason. Okay, and uh-huh. it was real. And the th- the, the, re- the only re- Goku's gone. <sighs> Fuck. Fuck! I missed Goku. God damn go it! To, oh, Goku. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> well, b- Fuck! I miss Goku. Can you buy? Oh, can you buy? Can you buy me? Can you buy me all? Can you buy me Zavala, please? Can can you get me a, a, a destiny? I don't think there. I don't. I think Zavala's. I think Zavala's. Oh wait, no, Zavala's here. Okay, Zavala's we're good. Here. Yeah, Kato, I'll buy you. I I will buy you Zavala. Thank 
Thank right you. now. <laughs> Wait, well, so you we, like you like multiverses now? What what would would change things? What was the literally? Must have been a, was it a gra- was it a gradual acceptance of being wrong, or was there an actual like <laughs> match or moment? Literally uh, after that triggered it. after one of the betas happened and they came back, like they they like went down because it was like still in like closed beta or whatever, and then like opened up to everyone. When they came back, I spent some time checking the uh the options just to see if there was anything to help with like this feeling that I had where like it felt like the input the input buffer was really big and like I'm used to Smash, which has a nine frame buffer. And lo and behold, the default buffer in multiverses is thirty frames, which is why it felt like ages to me. <laughs> and it was literally just the they have the ability, which most games don't, to change that to whatever the fuck you want. Um and oh that wait, that's actually a, that's a that's a player side. That is yes, that is just an option that you can huh. change in there, which is wild because yeah, normally it is set by the game on purpose to like achieve a certain flow, right? And like the flow was bad when it was thirty for me. Like it felt it felt wrong. I was felt like I was doing things on accident. Uh, but I dropped it down to the the smash ultimate nine and i was like this now this feels like how i expected it to feel when i was like this is a, a smash like game um Wait, so is that normal for fighting games or is that like unique to multiverses how uh, as far as i know i've never seen that option be an option like yeah neither have i like that is not normal at all um and i guess they just didn't think it was important and like it does it's not important to have everyone on the same input buffer which i guess makes sense like the uh, there's other things that control kind of like the speed of the game as far as the animations and how the the how fast those moves come out and input buffer is really more about how quickly or how much space between like you hitting a button there is and then it like doing a move right after right so it's like more about it's it doesn't it does it seems to not be a thing that will eventually cause uh, any sort of uh, competitive advantage, uh, but most games just set it to a thing that they think feels good, <laughs> or like right. is is what they want. Well, it's, like, a, it's a most. Or I mean, like you know, it's like, it, necessary. Yeah, analogous would be you know playing in a platformer, like the physics, like the momentum, like in right. general, you would keep that a certain way because well, we want the character to feel this feel right. this way, and many metrics in games are locked because they want you to play a certain way because right. that's what they've decided is optimal or makes the most sense. And so it is interesting yeah. to have what feels like a dev tool level setting be available to you. And Just, then frankly, be like revelatory experience in yeah. terms of And then I was like, oh uh, this feels this feels like how I expect it now. I can I can I, I, I get a little spammy sometimes with my moves, but now I'm not punished by it because it, it uh the 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 window is nine frames instead of being thirty where like that's way too that's way too much space i think for me <laughs> i think that uh, my answer oh sorry no go ahead i was going to say i think my answer to this question is actually very similar i'd kind of written off fighting games like like fighting game fighting games for a very long time uh, and was just like oh i don't think they're for me what a little <laughs> bitch and and then guilty gear strive came out and i was like i like how these characters look I really like how these characters look. And then I saw like three matches of Strive, and I was you like, you looked across the bar and thought, I like that. Ca- I like that game's vibes. <laughs> I like that game's vibes. Oh no! And then I downloaded Guilty Gear Strive on my PlayStation Five, 
and I played enough of it that I burnt out the uh, trigger on my first PlayStation 5 controller. Hell yeah. Uh, because that's where I assigned my dash macro to, was the was the right trigger, and I completely burned it out. Um, and then I was like, oh no, I think I really like fighting games. Uh, and then <laughs> since then, I've just been absolutely guilty gear pilled and like i've been genuinely excited about every new fighting game release since then because i'm like ooh, i love i love i love to look at a game and be like this is the thing that is unique and fun about it and so that's why i think it was for a really long time i didn't have an answer to this question because i really like the process of like getting into a new genre or getting into a new thing and so it's not like i'd written much off uh but fighting games was one of those things where i was like no it just never is not for me it was it very <laughs> much was yeah, I've had, um, like a lot of similar experiences. Like, like one of the most, like especially as you get older and you sort of get set in your ways of like, the, I I know the things that I like and I want to spend my time with the things that I like. Like that just becomes something that you have to actively work against as you get older. Your your free time is been is like it gets filled up. It's like you lose the 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 ability that you, in your youth of just like I'm going to invest a bunch of time into learning a new thing. And it's like well, yeah, but. I could do that or I could just do the thing that makes me happy because like I could just do that. (laughs) And there's usefulness in that, right? There's a balance. And part of what I'm really thankful for, grateful for as a part of my job is an opportunity where I can use my job to like make up for that free time that I, that I don't have in my personal life to try and have those breakthroughs that I probably wouldn't have if this wasn't part of my job. And like the ones that come to mind are, uh, like Dark Souls was one. I'd written that off as like goofy, masochistic, like niche bullshit. And then just Souls becomes one of my favorite styles of games. Um, uh, XCOM was a big moment for me mm. um, at the same time. That came out around the same time as uh, that the Fire Emblem DS game. I forget which one. Um, uh, uh, the one with. It's the the one that's the got one. Donald. The, with my, Donald. With, you yeah, know, the, 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 the. Son uh, of a bitch. Fire Emblem. Awakening. 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 Yeah. Yes. Um, Those games came out at roughly similar times, um, same era. And as someone that loved Command and Conquer, World of uh, Warcraft when I was younger, but eventually strategy games got so complicated that they headed more towards the Rob Zachneys, where it's like, ah, I'm a master tactician. And you know what I am not? A master tactician. And it felt like the genre... (laughs) The genre had left me, and like I was okay with that. I found other things, but also, well, I did. I did like strategy games. There's just like a certain type of strategy game with a certain like skill ceiling, um, uh, or even skill floor that just didn't exist for me. And so when XCOM came along and said, "Why not both? Like, why can't it be a game that is enjoyable and interesting for folks that want to be really hardcore about it, but also is going to be enjoyable on a controller and for everybody?" And like that game was. Like the original, that, that XCOM reboot is like one of my all time favorites, not only because it was well designed, but because it reintroduced a genre to me and made it seem like actually you can play these games or like a certain types of these games. Um, and then the most recent uh, example of that uh, would be uh, Monster Hunter World, which we sort of just collectively at Waypoint decided we're getting really into Monster Hunter. Yeah. Which, now, granted, <laughs> so did everybody else. That game blew up, but it was this opportunity where that. Monster Hunter World, like the fidelity of it, uh, enough of the cruft and like bullshit in the interface had been cleaned up where it was possible 
to like get into that if you had never played one before. It didn't require you to have already invested hundreds of hours or watch YouTube videos or hold controllers in weird ways. And like, I, I the, the, what's so cool is to get to the other side of that arc. And much like you, Ren, now with fighting games, it's like, I cannot wait to see what Monster Hunter World 2 is. Like, I don't, I'm not playing the side ones, but like, I'm so excited for the next Monster Hunter. And it's exciting to be excited about a new thing because it's another thing that you can be interested and excited for. And not just you be just, happy for other people. You just call Rise yeah. the side ones? You know, yes. you know World yes. is the side one, right? Not for me. World is <laughs> not, not for the me. side one. No, this, this, they're not, neither of them are side ones. They are, they are considered... But, I, can, but I consider, I consider in a different bucket. What I want is yeah. the, the big console high fidelity yes. all my friends are playing like monster right. rises more it's still a big game but it's like the tier of my colleagues and friends who are playing it is like there's people who are fans of monster hunter and then people who are fans of monster hunter and like they're playing rise and are waiting for the next world and a lot of them spilled over to that higher or higher or lower tier depending on how you look at it <laughs> oh um because world <laughs> Because world got them in, right? right? Like they were never paying attention to yeah. the series before before world. That's and exactly so, what happened to me. Like I right. was, yeah. I and you went Rise. to the next tier. Yeah, yeah. Like you, I yeah. played I Rise. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if it's a different tier because I think that honestly, I think that a lot of the reason people didn't pick up this is my Monster Hunter minute. I think a lot of the reason people didn't pick up uh, Rise is because of the like handheld aesthetic quality yeah, that you're talking sure. about. Yes, despite the fact that the games are as mechanically complex, like they feel virtually identical to one another. Um, and, and have the same approach to map and world design, uh, for the most part. Uh, and I think that like, that is, it is more a sea change world was a sea change for the entire franchise, uh, and rise builds off of world. And I'm guessing world two is going to build off of the most important thing from rise because I don't think you can release a monster hunter game that does not have, um, the grappling hook. Yeah, uh, the, when I, the, I only played yeah, a couple Rise. hours of Rise, but like the mechanical improvements, like the riding a creature around, I was like, this all has to be in the next, in the next yeah. world because it makes just the flow of the world and going between different combat scenarios like it's so much better. Like that applied to a world too is like, oh, I, I just I, it's hard to imagine they wouldn't do it. I'd be disappointed yeah. if they didn't. I mean, the watching and doing end game monster hunter rise shit is some of the best feeling i've ever like some of the best feeling shit i've ever done in a video game when uh sunbreak came out and i was posting twitter clips uh i was absolutely overjoyed because i was doing some of the sickest shit on the planet and i think people if they if they keep even half of it then yeah. people will lose their mind over the shit that you can do in world two that is my that is my dear hope uh, mine, uh, as well. Uh, the fact that we have that and Dragon's Dogma 2 to look forward to. <laughs> and Resident Evil 4 remake coming, like, only six months from now. Uh, this comes in from Jake. Uh, hey, Weepoint Crew. Uh, when y'all were discussing games to perform bait and switches, such as Final Fantasy, uh, X2 and Brutal Legend, I thought of another pop star JRPG that was actually about pop stars, much to the dismay of many fans. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp F.E. The project was revealed in 2013 when Nintendo was already desperately trying to show how much support the Wii U would have, but at that point it was simply revealed as a Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem crossover. Uh, quote, hardcore RPG fans were going crazy with anticipation and curiosity over the next couple of years, wondering how these two would mash up. 
After over two years of silence, the game was finally revealed as an SMT-style JRPG with pop idols and Fire Emblem classes and references. A lot of people were mad that what it seemed like would be a mashup of two darker properties was a bright and colorful J-pop tribute. I was personally delighted. I watched that first trailer so many times, mainly for the music, and it went on to be one of my favorite games for the Wii U. Thanks for all you do, and I hope Brent has fun when she eventually dives into Final Fantasy X and X-2. <laughs> I am very excited. I've, I've been debating between playing it on uh, my Nintendo Switch, which I can put in my pocket, mm. uh, or my PlayStation 5, uh, which I cannot put in my pocket unless I get mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. big pants. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and you'd also have to get one of those collapsible monitor but if you get one of those you could put it in like kind of a suitcase that you can carry mm-hmm. carry around exactly um, and you might not be able to put that in a pocket but i've been on the end of the suitcase if you imagine um you know like many designs that come out of square enix you could attach some sort of belt buckle yeah to yes. the suitcase and attach that to your pants and just drag the ps5 <laughs> down the sidewalk <laughs> with, yeah. with you in a in a, in a in a very durable suitcase a really durable or I could like sling it over my shoulder yeah uh, and then like in, in in this Final Fantasy design that we're coming around to uh, the the like briefcase with the PlayStation 5 and monitor in it is like slung over my back shoulder with like a big battery pack and it's really heavy but also <laughs> linked up to the battery pack is like a weird gun that I have in my <laughs> other hand so when I start a fight in the, in, in the version of Final Fantasy Ren it's like you hold the fucking briefcase behind you and you're like bam bam and your your limit break is you fucking whip out the case. And it's like, oh shit, she meets business. <laughs> I was going to say, oh shit, she's playing Final Fantasy X in front of me. <laughs> oh no. Well, but if, <laughs> let's, if, if Ren was doing like, yeah, like a limit break or a summon, there has to be like a long animation build up to the attack. And yeah. it could be that she's like programming on the computer, but also on the side playing Final Fantasy X too. <laughs> exactly. The, the long exactly. animation is... Is playing out. Um, I, I did not play. I, I I think I have a, a number of people were trying to get me to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. They they said that uh, I would probably get a kick out of it. I downloaded it on my Switch. You like, like pop music? Hour. I do. I do. Uh, and frankly, the only thing that put me off like so many games in this genre is just I looked up the hour. The count. hour count. I like, yeah, uh, it'll always get you. Uh, but you know what? I've got this new stream series where. I'm just going to play games for eight hours during work time. <laughs> Dad's day off. Um, that's where that's where games like Tokyo Mirage Sessions Ring-a-thon are going to go. Is, the is Elden Ring is first now in Dad's series. day off. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my thought. I mean, because Frank, oh my God. There, there, there is a whole selection of games, genres of games that I just cannot. I don't think I would have finished Elden Ring if I had mm. not like made right. the call right. to do it on stream because I just... When people were saying like, oh, it took me 150 hours to finish, in some measure I thought, well, maybe that's because so many new people are playing these games for the first time. So a big version of that game is going to take a lot of newcomers that amount of time. And I'm still going to finish it faster than that, but it is not. Not by much, we're talking right? like, <laughs> right, I'm going to finish it like 100, 110 hours. It's still a lot yeah. of hours. And I just... There's just no chance I would have done that on, on, my, on my free time. And so I, I actually am... That that's that that series will take so some sort of break. So what you're saying is I, we figured out a way to finally start yeah. um, Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> I don't know that I could do a tactics game on stream for eight hours, uh, but uh, <laughs> but but stuff like that. Yeah. I think that is I, I can see myself doing. If I ever was to play a Tokyo Mirage Sessions, it would be, hey, do you want to come watch me hang out with a bunch of 
uh, pop idols in on my switch for eight hours uh, on stream. Like that seems like a lot of fun. So who knows? It's, it's not totally off the, uh, uh, which is, Oh wow. I just, okay. Well, I just answered the final question we're going to do, uh, but I'll bring it up here. Hey, waypoint crew comes from Tyler. I know it's a familiar story among industry folks having to keep up with the latest releases uh, that it doesn't afford a lot of time for sticking with long form games. So I was wondering, is there one particular game or series you think you'd have loved, but never had time to dedicate to? For my part, I've always been interested in the Legend of Heroes series of JRPGs, a collection yep. of multi-part stories with some great world building mm. and slow burn character development, and a fun, customizable skill system based on the early hours that I've dipped my toes into. I feel like this is, isn't this, this is me as an aside, isn't that series like, hunt, like, it's just like <laughs> absurd, <laughs> even by JRPG standards? It is oh, so long, no. and there are so many games, and all of the games are in conversation with one another. It is a, it is a gargantuan commitment, one that I deeply wish I could undertake. Uh, Tyler continues, uh, but knowing that there are now seven plus full RPG length installments that make up the whole story no. convinces me I'll never be able to actually take the plunge in. So I'm left to admire the gargantuan series from afar. From afar. Quite possibly if you made your peace with not having the time to sink into especially long or live service games, but an ideal scenario with infinite time, is there anything you'd jump at the chance to finally pick up? Love all your voices and your work as always. Tyler. Um, so I, I gave like a general answer to that in, 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 in picking up on the previous one, but like the game that comes to mind is like the obvious one that all my friends like, which is final fantasy 15. Like that is, that is the one that I wish I could play 14? that MMO and or 14, 14 yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is the game that I wish I had the time to, my guess is I would love it and have a lot of fun with it, but it's just, I don't, I don't even know that the series that I have conceived of eight hours a week would necessarily even, no. that I would be doing that for a year. I Listening to Austin more or less kill himself to get to slog to, like, what was it, Shadow Walkers or whatever was the one yeah. he was playing through. They made, well, here's uh, the thing. They made that a lot shorter now. Oh, no. really? Yeah, the end part of it is 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 smaller. It's fine. I gotcha. Yeah. Either way, it's a long game. It's the it's the kind of but it is the kind of game that I if I was a teenager with a summer to kill, oh, like that that would be that would be the dream. Um, is there any that that come to mind for for either of you that you uh, no, that you've had on? It sounds like Ren. It sounds like actually the <laughs> these Legend of Heroes games of are at least in a bucket. Uh, yeah, Legend of Heroes is solid. Uh, that's that's probably one of them. I think that also the problem for me is that like. Yeah, man, games that long just don't appeal to me like most right. of the time where it's just like that's the problem. That's the thing with like Final Fantasy 14 is that like people can tell me Final Fantasy 14 is sick all day long, but I, it's not sick enough to sustain itself for 150 hours of my time right. doing mostly the same tasks uh, and in ways that do not feel engaging. And that's the problem. I just don't like I just don't like when things waste my time. And, well, so, and, all, and also the, my issue with even thinking about getting into that game is that so so a lot of the appeal of like grind heavy live service games is that you're playing them with friends. And so I can imagine if I was playing, Hey, I'm playing all the new content with my buddies. Like we're doing this together. It's kind of like, we're all hanging out and having like a group session while also doing this content. But it's like what Austin was doing was I have to spend 150 hours to catch up to where all of my friends are. Yeah. Um, that seems that like that's the really daunting uh task in, in front of you for for a game like that i've been i've been i've been planet planet fitness what 
You're still paying for Final I'm Fantasy still paying 14. for Final Fantasy 14. I haven't played <laughs> how it long? in like, I think, six months now. <laughs> Is that 15 bucks a month? It's t- t- wow. 12.99. Okay. All right. Well, that's a little bit better than what I suggested. <laughs> Can you pay that as an annual I did, fee? I mean, look, locked I in a little cheaper? Paid 100 hours. I was getting there. Okay. Yep. God. Oh, did you make fuck. it to the, the the big? Was that as part of getting to the big expansion, the the last one? I forget what that was called, but the one that everyone, everyone quite liked, Shadowbringers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. So to be clear, this um 150 hour mark that you're talking about, that's yes. just to get to the good stuff. <laughs> I remember that that was the bit where Austin was just sweating. Yeah. I'm putting in 150 hours. That's, to hate myself and, and then also, start doing the stuff that people say. At, a, is, is at 100, good. I'm not yet. And you have to do it DLC. to understand the characters and the payoffs. Yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I have, I'm having fun mechanically. I do enjoy being the tank. It's a more engaging role that I think than the, uh, the million DPS uh, options they have out there. But that's just me. So I think mm. it's. Yeah, I wish I do wish it was shorter, but I did enjoy that time. I should just stop paying the money because I'm not playing it right now. <laughs> Kato, can you do that before the next podcast? That gives you this is it's Thursday. Yeah, we're not going to record another one. Uh-huh. My turn, Prometheus doesn't count. Yeah, uh, do that for yourself. We're gonna I'm gonna check in with you. We're gonna do a weekly check in. Yeah, has Kato canceled Final Fantasy 14? Well, here's a, the here's the problem is that now that I know that it's it's end it's gonna I'm gonna lose access to it. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna hop in. And That's like, fine. See where I am. Use use Go the thing. Th- like <laughs> like when you cancel a sub. Yeah. You still get the rest of the month. Right. Exactly. You know, gotta, what's gotta what's, what's what cycle are you on? What wh- is it at? Like when? Can you look it up right now? <laughs> yeah, I can. Also, Kato, uh, uh-huh. let me let me let me just say something to you. What? It takes 150 hours to get to a good stuff. To good stuff. Yeah, I'm still 50 hours off. You ever think about how many hours there are in a week? More than 50. You got plenty of time. It's more than 100. There are more than 150 hours in a week. And so if you do nothing else. You need to sleep. (laughs) No, you don't. Do you? Hey, Kato, do you sleep? How much do you sleep, Kato? No, not not enough. I should sleep more. Yeah, you should. Two of all of us. I shouldn't. Well, I, I was going to say, I didn't want to make that joke because I, I was like, mm, is that inappropriate? Am I allowed to make that joke? But I was like, Ren will make it. She'll, she'll, get, she'll get it across the finish line. <laughs> Patrick, wait. looking at my disability, chuckling. I need Ren to be ableist for me. I can't, I can't do it. I got you. Thank you. It got canceled on accident. Yo, you switch cards? My card got nice. stolen while I was in Colorado. Nice. And so I had to swap my, I had to get a new debit card <laughs> and the last one bounced. It would have renewed on the 20th. Of August. Of August. Yeah. So, so you're out. I'm actually out. I'm wow. actually Way! out. <laughs> but you know, there's, but now, there's, now, now we're talking about it and I kind of want to poke back in and be like, where was, so, where much, was I? <laughs> God, there's, there's, there's such a funnier version of the story where <laughs> this doesn't come up. Oh, I don't make fuck. Kato check it. Yeah. But, there are moments every couple of months where you think about it. And you're like, I've yeah. lost oh, so much shit. money to Final Fantasy, but you haven't. <laughs> but you haven't. But you th- you think you uh, have. Yeah, that's oh, that's very funny. Okay, 
That is tremendous. Well, that's the end, or that is the conclusion of an, the ongoing investigation into has Kato canceled <laughs> their Final Fantasy XIV subscription? They didn't, but a, cr- a criminal aided and abetted <laughs> yeah. in the canceling of the. They of tried the to steal sixty dollars from me, and then. But wait, I, if it, so it's canceled, but you're oh, so it bounced, so you're art, you're out. Like it's not like you have another couple of weeks. Like that couple I of think weeks was August. Yeah, that would have been August. Yeah, that would have been August twentieth. I'm like out, out. Okay. Well, I miss oh. it. I miss it weirdly. Before we bring this to a close, <laughs> just want to shout out to a call them a serious stranger who heeded the call uh, when I said, "Oh my god, oh uh, my hey, god. the secret, the fun comes MMO, the secret world," which yes. we said a lot of kind things oh about, god, mostly so from excited. Rob. Uh, and I alluded to that that MMO is still running, but you cannot access it unless you have. Sort of like CRTs. There is just an existing supply of codes that have not been used. There are not new ones. You just have to somehow get one that would already allow you to access that MMO, which Funcom is still running. But you cannot, you need that existing code because the only way to play the secret world on Steam is through the poorly received, like single player like version that they kind of put together some years back. And a mysterious stranger said, I got you. Uh, <laughs> So we haven't redeemed those codes, but they were very insistent that they'll work. Um, and so coming to a stream near you, I don't know when, but just eventually will be, can we all team up? Will we all just go, all go to the secret world yeah. together? It was four codes. Yeah, that's, so, how you, um, that's how you play those games. We were just talking about it. You got to play with buddies. That's how you play those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like, hey, you should get into Final Fantasy XIV. No, play. we're getting into the secret, secret world. world. And, yeah, you can't, and you can't join us, actually. <laughs> but we're going to start a guild. And spin, spin it up in there. Oh so my god! I, yes, I, I think that the main content of the secret world is not that long. Okay, well we're going in. This person was too kind, and yeah. we're not. We we're going to reward them with a secret world stream. So we'll we'll get on that uh, soon enough. Uh, but that is going to bring us to the end of part the Waypoint Podcast, the Waypoint Radio Podcast, part one. Um, before you get to the Waypoint Radio Podcast Part 2, where we'll talk about The Last of Us Part 1. So we are going to say goodbye to Kato and Ren. Uh, Kato, where can people find you? On Twitter, at A underscore Kato underscore appears. Ren, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter, at Ren or Raven. Uh, I didn't... I'm going to do it here, because I didn't do it at the end of that podcast. What do we have coming up when this goes out i'll be in the middle of streaming elden ring uh, another full day of that uh we don't have a podcast coming out the next week i will be streaming elden ring again on tuesday 16 hours of elden ring really close together (laughs) yeah the estimates from the audience are that i have two to three streams left depending on how much some of the bosses give me trouble so there's a chance that the tuesday stream is the conclusion my guess is it'll probably be a, a a week after that but we're we're, we're headed towards the, the end game on where we will finally unlock an Elden Ring spoiler cast. Um, oh my uh, God. We're working our ways there. So Kyle, <laughs> you need to. Well, that's that I Elden got. We've got Monday off and I'm taking Friday off because of stream setup stuff. So I've got, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing right, my own offline marathon. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, next week, the return of my turn. Uh, well, we will be watching. Well, Kato, what are we going to be watching? We're going to be watching Prometheus. Hell yes. <laughs> hey, 
mods asleep, so also know also known as Rob. Like, yeah. Bunch of sickos about to watch Prometheus. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm very excited to see the, the reaction. Connor, have you seen it before? Yes, yes. And you know what? Okay. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was horrible. Yes. You know, I'm, I wasn't. Oh, in the, I wasn't okay. in the haters in the haters zone. I think I had some silly moments. We'll talk striking, about this, the ring striking thing, whatever. Visuals. But like, yeah, striking visuals. When? Yeah, when? incredible looking. Yes, film. When? absolutely. When did Rob Zachney last see Prometheus? Probably when it came out. Yeah, about, probably about, in the you know, every, Everyone, everyone that was an Alien fan saw that when it came so, out yeah. and then had strong reactions. And 12? 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been 10 years. Ren, if you it's have not seen It's the 10-year anniversary. I, I haven't seen Prometheus. Have you ah. seen Alien? I have seen Alien. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll get that would have been very interesting. <laughs> that, that well, I mean, listen, that was also, I mean, well, I, <laughs> uh, I have seen Alien, which is to say I have fallen asleep in the middle of Alien. Great. Uh, and what? missed like a solid That's, You hour. know what? That's enough. That's enough of a tease. We'll get into this on the Prometheus pod <laughs> yeah. next week, which we're going to record, I think, on Wednesday morning, and then you'll get it. Uh, if you're a Waypoint Plus subscriber uh, on Wednesday afternoon, early evening, and then as is usual with those, comes out a week later for everyone else. Please, if Rob run. gets Prometheus pilled. What if? <laughs> what, what if? What if, if he turns? Years, ten years. Ten years is a long time. In ten years <laughs> is a long time. I've definitely changed my tastes since then. Rob's <laughs> Rob's tastes have probably changed in the last ten years. What if he yeah. gets Prometheus pilled? I well, I could Ooh, nothing beautiful. would bring me a greater a greater joy to, to have another member of the Prometheus cult. Um, all, long, long praise Prometheus. Uh, that's going to do it. We'll uh, take a quick break or not. You'll just get to hear a little cheery music if you were subscribing to Waypoint Plus because you get a version of this that has no ads. But on the other side, myself, Rob, and Matthew Galt talking about The Last of Us Part 1. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Back on the other side with a new set of people. I'm still here, gotten rid of Kato, gotten rid of Ren, but I brought in Rob Zachney. Hello, hello. Matthew Galt. Hello. Matthew, Matt, what's the preference Matthew. there? Matthew? It's, it's Matthew. Matt was a guy that worked at Banana Republic and died <laughs> in the mid-2000s. Matthew started working at a bookstore and then became a journalist. <laughs> Is that something that has stuck ever since you were... Young, like where does where does where does because like I, I I've always been Patrick, uh, my mom, and you disliked. do not, like quietly you do not like Pat. Well, because that was instilled by my by my mom. Like she was actively had a she had a jar in the house that was if you call him Pat 
put a quarter in it, you fucks. His name is Patrick. <laughs> Uh, everyone called me Matt growing up and then, I mean, quite literally I made, I made like a conscious decision when I left that job, which was one of the more miserable jobs I had. It's like, I'm going to change my oh, life. Oh, so you actually worked at the banana, but this was not a hypothetical yeah, yeah, yeah. person you disliked. No, 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 no. This was, okay. No, no, Matt had to Matt, die. Matt, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Cary Grant and Arthur, Archie Arthur Leech. Archibald Leach. Yeah. yeah. Like Cary Grant had to kill Archibald Leach to become Cary Grant. Matthew Galt had to kill Matt Galt. I burned stuff. Like stuff was burned. There was a there was <laughs> a destruction. Of public clothes, for instance. Yes, yes. What yeah, you're saying is my, uh, when you when you when you applied to, to Motherboard, a Banana Republic was not on the on the resume. It's not on the LinkedIn. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> that's a different person. Yeah, because that's that's a different person. That's Matt Galt. I'm Matthew Galt. Two different people. Uh well, you know, you know, maybe that is a good transition into uh, the game that the three of us are about to talk uh, about. Uh, it's not The Last of Us. It's The Last of Us Part One. Uh, the a 2022. They're calling it rebuilt for the PlayStation Five. We exist in a world of remakes, remasters, reimaginings. I, you know, take your pick. We can we can actually talk about that in terms of what this thing is. But the long and short of it is there is a pretty substantially aesthetically and to a lesser degree mechanically upgraded version of the 2013 Naughty Dog post-apocalyptic mushroom infested zombie uh, apocalypse story involving uh, the now iconic. Uh, characters sort of Joel and Ellie uh, and the three of us have had a chance to play it uh, I think broadly speaking I can say none of us were huge fans of part two right Galt are you in that same uh, camp no, un- untrue actually I untrue. really loved part two okay so yeah. you really loved part two yeah I, I was ambivalent but mostly disappointed relative to how much I loved the first one and Rob spent six hours deconstructing every piece of it to the point that I had to bail out of the podcast for dinner, and he kept going. Which, you know, really is more of a that game was too long issue. Too. <laughs> I, I will say the game was too long. Yes, it it yes, was too long, yes. especially replaying the first one. It's yep. such a it's like yep. the nine. It's like the difference between a tight 90 minute film and a bloated three hour like epic monstrosity. Uh, you, you play this first one again and you like, it's such the perfect pacing and length, you know, you can knock it out in a couple of good sessions and it just, it's all there and nice and complete. Second one, they were going for an epic poem thing and it got a little long, it got, it got quite a bit too long. Uh, yeah. Rob and I just published a, uh, sort of like back and forth, uh, kind of like letter sort of exchange uh, about the game, uh, called, uh, the Last of Us isn't very old, but it's already worth revisiting. Um, and I, I kind of want to start with you, Rob, especially given how much you soured on the second one. I think especially upon doing the podcast, really, like, I think your review is less harsh than how you felt in that long examination of, of the game. Uh, but nonetheless, the review is pretty succinctly argues that you did not care for the tone, tenor, and story arcs that they pursued in the second game. But... I think you, like me, upon replaying this first one, were struck by the distance between, like, I, I, I thought, revisiting this, like, oh, maybe I didn't like that one, that first one as much as I thought. Maybe that was a little bit of the time, the era, the beginning of the datification of games, and it was just pulling on my heartstrings. And actually, revisiting it, 
this game feels I feel even stronger about how much I like this game now than I than I than I did uh when two came out. Yeah, I uh I was in the same place where I was really apprehensive about was I still like because I remembered really enjoying the game. I was less confident that I would enjoy it the, the second time through. And almost immediately, certainly by the time you're uh the most aggressive parts of the tutorial are winding down. Your start, your your time in Boston is coming to an end. I was just fully in on it, and I was thinking about like, I was I kept having those moments of like, no, this game was so goddamn good, and it's good from the jump in ways that like too frustrated me for not being good. And I think, I think Matthew sort of you know puts his finger on it. A huge part of this is pacing, uh, in in terms of like the stakes that are laid out and the, just the, the type of story uh, that it is going to tell. I feel like, <clears throat> you know, here it has still just an unforgettable uh, prologue. And I guess maybe this, this also is partly what's going wrong with, with two is in some ways two is constantly feels like it's trying to top or exceed the first game in, in some ways. Remember like, how you well, felt at the beginning of the first? Well, we're going to yeah, feel so that like, except a different exactly. emotion <laughs> rage. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, you know, instead of your, your daughter dying in your arms, instead you get uh, Joel's head being caved in. Uh, <laughs> it's a snuff film. And, I mean, that's how, that's how, I mean, like it, it has elements of just, you are going to wallow in the merciless beating of this beloved character as we set and up. Then, and then that will fuel you up to perform or at least uh, spectate similar brutal beatings <laughs> uh and and killings throughout like for for the next like you know 12 hours uh but but here like the that opening that that prologue is so perfectly paced there's so much established uh there and then it is such a cool decision to be like to just hard cut from the death to 20 years go by you don't need to see the rest of the collapse it doesn't matter like the the collapse that matters for this story is you know the the hour you just spent playing the forty. Well, it feels like it's, it playing. feels like editing, right? Like in relative yeah. to part two, which feels like oh, you got the Lord of the Rings extended edition off the bat, as opposed to hey, here's the thing we tightened up for the for the, the theatrical cut. Uh, that in my mind, they know exactly what happened and talked through that that period in between Joel. Uh, at the at the beginning and where the, the story sort of picks up after that prologue. I'm sure it's in a story Bible that gets it and explained to you exactly what happened to that character, but they don't need to. It's inferred. And there's so much, uh, you know, the, the showing and the telling between part one and part two, yeah. I think are some of the, the biggest things I was reminded in, in, in revisiting part one is just, I don't know, like how restrained it is in in so many ways that to some degree come with the benefit of establishing a world. There are unknowns. And so they get to have fun with with deploying those. That is the the nature of the first entry in a, in a story, especially when you're doing that world building. But I think I think they make <coughs> missteps in part two that are not necessarily just because it's a sequel that has to come up with new questions to answer. Uh, uh, Matthew, where'd you where did you fall uh, on that? On which part? The just coming back into Last of Us Part yeah. One. Yeah, it was. It's it's funny because I expected to not play very much of this. As I had played, I, I borrowed. I'd never had a PS3. I borrowed a friend's PS3. Played the Last of Us One. Um, because I heard it was just you know the thing. Every this this touchstone piece that everyone had to play. 
then when Last of Us 2 was coming out, about a month or two before it dropped, I picked up the PS4 remaster and played it. So I've played it recently. And I sat down, I was like, all right, I'm going to see if this is worth $70, like all this stupid games discourse stuff. Is this worth the money? Did they actually update the graphics? And then I, from the, like, from the jump, they, you know, we see these scenes of Texas. I hear Troy Baker's actually good Texas accent, which is a very, (laughs) which is a rarity in games. Um, And like, I'm running down the street with Sarah in my arms and I feel it again. I feel it again. It like hits me right in the gut and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm going to play all of this again, aren't I? Uh, and, you know, that that first session I played through half the game and I did, wasn't expecting to do it. I was, I was in know? the same I was in the same spot where I was like, well, how much do I need to play to do this exchange with Rob? It's like, well, probably like three or four hours. And yeah. then every every time I'd be winding down my session, I'm like, well, I mean, the end of this area is like 45 minutes. Like, I'll just do that. Uh, and then. Well, you know, I don't know. But then I guess do like maybe I should do another forty. I want. Yeah, I should see the end of the, the section with Bill. I should definitely like get to Pittsburgh, and then I'm in Pittsburgh, and I'm going like another thirty minutes. And all of a sudden, I look up a walk there, and it's like, well, you know, I'm spitting distance from halfway through this game already. Like I, I could, I, you know, I'll probably beat this in the next in the next two weeks. And I, I, I was genuinely taken as someone that does not revisit games. One, I think this game does. uh there's a lot of ways you can go with like, what does it mean for video games? I, I don't like the analogy that people have been using with this game a little bit is like, well, it's just a four K it's just like what they're doing with movies. Like it's just like the 4k version of well, it's like, no, I, I don't think that is, th- this is, this is much more akin to George Lucas. And I don't mean that necessarily in a derogatory term, but it is going back and it is doing touch-ups in a way that is far beyond just uh, applying a higher resolution. But where the, the analogy does hold up to, uh, for me is in the sense of when you part of the reticence in, in, in revisiting an old game is that, well, it won't hold up. I feel that so less often with film and other kinds of media, but frequently games because they're because of mechanics, because storytelling sort of techniques have advanced so much in 20 years. It's not as fun or enjoyable to revisit them. They they are different than what you remember in your mind's eye. And probably the highest compliment I can give to this update is that well, it sort of just matches what my memory was. I mean, I look at the comparisons and you go, my God, like the additions they did to the lighting, to, to the textures, to to whatever, like all the technical stuff you expect from Naughty Dog is absolutely impressive. But I went out of my way to not look any of that up because I sort of wanted to just go yeah. into it with a sense of, well, how does it hit me? And what hits me is that much like you, uh, Matthew, I I was experiencing the same emotions I had the first time without the sense of, boy, 2013 wasn't that long ago, but it's just long enough that it's kind of tough to look at the eyes on these character models. And there's none of that there. And you can settle into the scenes in a way that I am pretty genuinely surprised you can do, you can slip into as easily. And I think it's a real testament to the ultimately maybe kind of light touch that they have done to, to the art, even if comparison shots probably suggest it's quite a leap. Well, it's it's a funny thing that the, 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 the the thing that they do with just their their style, I think, is I would say there's almost like a Pixar-esque quality to even when we're making something really ugly and messed up, we're going to make the best, most lavish version of it that you can possibly imagine. <laughs> like, I'm going through some of these, like, abandoned restaurants uh, in, like, suburban Boston, right? And, like, it's all glassware. It hasn't been touched in 20 years. Like, stuff rotting through the walls, etc. And on the one hand, it's like, mm, such decay. 
such, <laughs> such passing of years. Much to ponder. And, <laughs> yes. And on, yes. And on the other hand, you're like, and yet there's something really charismatic about this fucked up Italian restaurant, like that you're just sort of staring at it. I think that's the, that's the weird thing. I think there's a version of this you can imagine where it kind of goes bonkers with, uh, overplaying lighting effects and like just a lot of modern rendering techniques to make things like pop in a way that like i think a lot of like graphic show pieces uh maybe try to do or when you see like on youtube like a reimagining the legend of zelda in unreal engine 5 with ray tracing that's well that's not what they would i understand why fans think that way but that's maybe not the the best approach and i think that's that's kind of what you're getting at right and and the approach here is kind of like okay well uh really sell the shit out of that coffee urn you know like here's your here's your project for the day 20 year old abandoned distressed <laughs> coffee urn make it and you and and it's great so like it but it, it's not to an, to an extent all these things are just like absurd consumers of like development resources but on the other hand this was always one of the selling points like uh last of us i remember i was playing it, it was that same weekend i watched predator for the first time I was with a buddy uh out in seattle and so we watched predator and then we finished the weekend up playing uh a bunch of the last of us and he he said that he's a game developer and as as you know we were in that first chapter he's like you know there's something to be said for a game that is just like throwing money at your eyeballs every five seconds just like just hundred dollar bills coming up to like to, to high five your eyeballs uh and that's and that's kind of how this feels and it's it's more so right but uh the the improvements and the and the touch-ups they do are like there's a real discipline there of it's not show it's not distracting it doesn't like overplay it doesn't make the world look like too beautiful but one thing i do find it really elevates is it gives me more cause to slow down and really pour over the scenery in a way that like, you know, I was tempted to do in three, but there are parts where I was so motivated by the plot that I would just keep speeding through like uh, Lincoln, Lincoln, Massachusetts, where Bill is. That was, I basically remember that as just a speed run through a booby trap town. And then you meet this like aggro asshole. And this time I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, like Bill's got a whole little life here in this downtown. He's doing he's doing a bit of a. uh Okay, what was the Will Smith movie? Um, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. Yeah, there's like a bit of an I Am Legend vibe that you're trying to pick up from the ruins of this town uh, that, that he's inhabiting, writing little notes to himself uh, down throughout the entire throughout the entire place. And here I just I'm picking up more of that because it's, it's more worth lingering over. Yeah, I would, I would say that the two biggest upgrades in terms of visual fidelity are that sense of place in every single environment, especially the, the, the 2013 PS3 version. Do you remember how like uh, you would play like a silent Hill and you could always, you always kind of knew what was interactable and what was not. And like everything was so kind of pre-rendered and it was, you could tell that it was kind of this painting that an object was moving through. Last of us was better, but it still had that sense. This one, (laughs) everything comes alive. Boston comes alive. Texas comes alive. Uh, all these different places are are stunningly rendered now, and uh, the the faces are much better. The and I, have I you seen have you seen the comparison? Huh? Yes, Joel's is better for sure. Have you seen Tess's? Have you seen the comparison? Tess Tess is the one that's really striking Tess, because I'm going to paste it. Tess is a different character. You, she she looked like if you look at her in the previous games, it looks like you're running a human being through a yossification filter. And now um, she looks like a real person. Well, not only does she look like a real per- person, I think more to the point, um, 
And we've seen this actually like big happen most acutely with Sony projects, right? Like Spider-Man, they replaced the actor and character model for uh uh uh, uh for Peter Parker in in Miles Morales and then went back and like that's that was in the remastered version of Spider-Man and that's going to be the, the character model going forward. And that's a pretty s- substantive change. This is interesting because having not seen this comparison until like this morning when I looked it up and not knowing that um, going into it, I mean, they, this character model that's on the left, the original one in, in the 2013 game um, strikes me as a much younger character. Like, and the character that is portrayed here on the right strikes me as someone who is roughly Joel's age. There is an implied romance between these characters in the game that is a much easier sell, especially when they have some of those final exchanges before Tess sacrifices herself that yeah, when she, when she begs him to take him and says like says something to the effect of like, there's something here between us or if and this the, is anything, if this is anything, yes. if there's anything here between us at all and the expression on her face in that moment is so it, it, it sells it so much better with this new model than it did in the previous one. God, what is it like? And, and I think something else that is so. This is the first time really like replaying the game. I I, I dipped my toe in the uh, the remaster that they did for PS4, but this is the first time really going through it again. And I think something else that is maybe making this such a treat to play through, and why I'm having this reaction is there's no suspense over this. So now I'm able to pay a lot more attention to honestly like a lot of the writing a lot of the the foreshadowing uh that you see t- taking place a lot of the themes that are brought up they're going to be echoed uh later on in the game and so like you know there's there's a moment <clears throat> it's a little bit of a i can't wait i can't wait until uh these two weeks till my retirement are up but there's this bit where like you know tess is sort of talking as you're as you're wandering through the sewers about like after this job we need to take a break. We need to like, we need to stop like getting in the shit all the time because this is, this is do- the one last job. Like we do the yeah. big score and, and then, and then it's fine. We can, we can, we can rest. We can go on vacation. And uh, you, you do get a sense of like, you know, the opening tutorial quest is they're basically gangsters, right? They're, they're ba- like, that is what they have become is uh pretty violent gangsters. And something jumped out at me a lot more here is, like as she she is not fronting when she says we are shitty people they are shoot first ask questions later people uh in that in that opening and i think again it's so the first time playing it i do feel like i ended up being on like joel's side a bit more than i should have been because i was so sympathetic from that opening cutscene, and i liked so much about the the bond forming between him and ellie that like that obscured a lot of what was there on the page i think with this character and playing through the second time, knowing all this, it's like, oh, Joel and Tess are 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 like not necess- not necessarily like the worst people. It's a it's a hard world, but like they're up to their hips in blood. Uh, as oh, there's part there's, of a, just there's their a sequence job. when you know that, that opens in, in Pittsburgh where, as they call them, the hunters who essentially are sort of entrapping, yes, um, uh, uh, pe- like kind of passerbys, and Joel identifies that this is. <laughs> This is a bit. This person is not injured. We're going to run them down. And there's a quiet moment after the shootout and fight occurs uh, in which uh, Ellie asks, like, how did you like, how did you know? Like, yeah. How did you know that 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 was a fake? And he's like, well, I've been on the other side. 
And I think she says something to the effect of, have you, have you killed innocent people? And he just sort of just grumbles. And it's stuff like that that I found myself lingering on a lot more. I think there's a bit of a, uh, it's not the perfect comparison, but a kind of a breaking bad effect by having your main character and by being the protagonist that you're controlling, you tend to identify with their struggle more than you would yeah. if you could sort of detach from them. And there's a bit of with Joel, uh, you're rooting for him and the game wants you to root for him in the same way that, you know, when you've read interviews with like Vince Gilligan about breaking bad, like, yeah, yeah, more people should have, more people should have thought he was shitty. And the mo- in, in, in many ways, last of us doesn't linger with that stuff enough because it's not that it's in in a rush to get to the Joel and Ellie stuff, but that, um, I don't know. It would seem it it does it on the side and and upon revisiting when some of the suspense is gone, I'm doing what you're doing, Rob, which is like, Oh shit. Like whatever you think Joel is not just an experienced survivor, but is actually someone that has been on the other side of taking advantage of those, uh, who don't have, uh, you know, and it's, and I think you see that in the opening too. Right. Yeah. That prologue. There are beats in that prologue that are pretty explicit about the way this guy thinks. The people flagging them down from the roadside. The people flagging mm-hmm. them down from the roadside. They, they go away. He he's very he's pretty quick to abandon his brother. Uh, not interested in helping his neighbor at all. Um, it is interesting in your in the letter, the piece that you all published on Waypoint. I've been thinking about this today. Talked about how the game has an air. You called it suburban decay. Rather than suburban dread, I would say suburban dread, suburban dread. Right. Um, And I think this game, one of the reasons this game works so well is because it is rooted in that suburban dread. This is a guy that lived, you know, he lived in the Midlands in Texas, probably like 30 minutes to an hour outside of Austin in a big, huge house with his neighbors as far away from him as possible. who He probably didn't know very well. And but he's the, not. And, and just to add one thing to that, but we know he's not he's not securely like well to do when we mm-hmm. when he comes in, we hear him yelling at Tommy about a contract that's gone bad. Right. I need this job. Yep. But from the child's perspective, this is a huge home. And you look into that backyard and he's got all the accoutrement. Right. This is this is Texas living great yep. backyard barbecue set and patio like it goes on forever. And yet. A guy who even before the shit hits the fan has kind of this like corner rat vibe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We called them $30,000 millionaires uh, <laughs> in Texas. There's all, there's just a ton of people with, with, with. Wow. <laughs> that That's making, a new one. There were a ton of, ton of people in Texas making $30,000 a year living like they were millionaires in these weird, in weird McMansions. They were renting from people that lived in Florida that owned a bunch of property in North Texas and would live like this, would spend everything on the trappings of, I mean, it seems cliche, but but it's real. I lived there, like would spend all the money they had on the trappings of letting everyone know that they were well off and they were all cornered rats that were like one disaster away from, you know, moving back into an apartment. Yeah. Well, and, and also, uh, Rob, you brought this up um, in our exchange was like, what, what does that prologue actually tell us? And, you know, we see the talk about the neighborhood, but like, what is what does this probably actually tell us about Joel as a character? Like we don't the the arc of the Last of Us is essentially like the softening of a a broken man by the introduction of a new child, but there's a lot of evidence. Like we don't actually know what his relationship is with his daughter in this in the prologue. Like yes, he's soft and cute with her in the moments we are given, but 
in the span you know, of parenting that like, do I see a single parent? Like, what is that? What it would like? There is a lot that we huge don't huge question marks about like, yeah. What, where's, where's uh like the mom that's not right. in the story. You know, which line haunts me from that. The, the first like 10 minutes is when what? she's got the, she's got the present and just like trying to like get him engaged with that. And he's like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't know why that always, that, that really struck me this time. No, it, it's it's true and like you know he does he does thaw out at that moment but yeah it's we we see a very sweet tender moment right before a an excruciating one and what we we what is kind of lost in all that is yeah what's the what's the full reality there but but the the cool thing here is that like for me the last so for me the last of us part two everything is so obvious Right. It's like and and the, the like I, one of the things that disappointed me a lot was in the places where maybe I expected a little more subtlety. It was actually even more obvious than I thought, like the revelation later that basically like. You know, Ellie knew everything all along for most of that, most of that game uh, also had managed to reconcile with Joel before the end, like all the things that maybe you could have seen like, oh, these would have been like weird, haunting, lingering questions uh, in that relationship. Nope. Turns out as the game over explains itself, it turns out that like, uh, you know, Ellie and Joel had tons of expository exchanges uh, that would have would have tied a because well, the, the game, the game kills stuff. him, but is unable to leave him behind. And right. I think it would have been would have been a more interesting choice on part two's part two. Hey, we're going to kill Joel. We're going to we're going to take away this foundational piece of Ellie in the way that, you know, similarly in the same way that Joel had his daughter taken from him. And then what does Ellie do after that? And uh, instead, I mean, it does in some ways answer that, but it's mostly in pursuit. Like, Joel loses his daughter, loses himself. Ellie loses, like, a father surrogate and goes on a revenge tour uh, for for this surrogate father. And then also we're going to get, 25 plus hours of conversations between the two of them instead of her having to sit with which is frequently the case like when you lose any sort of like figure in your life parental or not it's like oh shit you're like i think about all the conversations i didn't have with my dad because i didn't know he was going to die and so you know there wasn't like you know there's checklist things you think you talk about with a someone who's close to you before it happens probably not going to happen if you just like get a phone call and find out they're dead. And in this game, it's essentially like a phone call shows up and oh, Joel's dead, but also, Oh, don't worry. There was a voicemail just full of all that emotional catharsis yeah. you need in order. It's like, I get to imagine those conversations with my dad. I need a video game so they can just mocap that for me because Ellie, Ellie got all of those. And, and the game just answers all of those in a way that is, it feels like it pulls in your heartstrings in a way that is, uh, maybe manipulative is too far, but it's convenient in a way that there is just an absence of those things in uh, the last was like, I don't, I haven't played all the way this way this through, but I don't think there's ever a moment where like Joel sits down and imagines conversations. He wish he had with his daughter before she was shot by like a government agent that was confused and scared. No, and, and I think the, the last of us part one, I think the, the thing that really makes it cool revisiting it is that actually like, there are a lot of things that they had the subtlety to not draw screaming attention to, but we're like now when you know the full story of like where this is going to go and the decisions Joel is going to make in the late stages of this game and what they sort of say about him, 
you know, I, I think the first time I played this, I tried to I tried to have the most charitable interpretation of Joel as possible, right? Which was that uh, you know, for for me, I kind of did refer everything back to that initial opening, right? Like the trauma of seeing a daughter gunned down and uh, you know, a soldier just following orders. Uh, sorry, sacrifices have to be made for the greater good to secure uh, you know, secure the quarantine zone or whatever. Um, but playing it this time, I am I'm so struck by how often you get these little like slight discordant moments of like Joel as someone who even as he is warming up to this little girl, like still tends to do it in kind of a controlling way. And it actually turns him into more and more of a like on his guard on the edge type character as he relates to the world. Um, and I think, and I think that's a, that's the thing that's really, uh, you know, making this a rewarding replay is how much, how much of this is about this, about the ways that trying to protect yourself and trying to sort of be out for yourself and trying to secure yourself and the things that you think belong to you, including like people and the relationships you have with them, how toxifying that is in itself. Um, Especially when you're replacing it, right? Which Ellie is a stand in for a daughter that he lost. How much of this is ownership and how much of this is paternalism. And that is, like the central tension that of course plays out in the ending over who as the quote parent who has the agency here. Well, Joel, yeah. Joel answers that question for himself um, um, at, at the end there. But I mean, I, I think that's what gives such a layered sense of character to Joel upon revisiting it is being able to better appreciate that arc. Um, partially because you can sort of view them as separate people. I mean, I find myself just, utterly taken by Ashley Johnson's performance this time around. Like she's, she's so fucking good in this role. Like Ellie is just such a interesting, she's so funny. I don't remember laughing as hard as I did the first time as I did this time when she pulls the joke about the sticky pages in the car and then deadpans to Joel when he like doesn't know what to say and says, I'm, I'm fucking with you. And then tosses the magazine out of the, the car. It's just, she's terrific. And like, it is a really nuanced uh, performance in, in a way that I think I was more struck by the technical aspects of it the first time around. And I'm, and find myself more taken by the performative aspects of it. Uh, now is Joel a character that does not change. It's an interesting question. Something Rob brought up, like the way I put it, in response was, I think the best people in our life, for a lot of people, these are kids. They can be partners. They can be friends. They, the best of them by default raise the floor, like kind of like an athlete on a team. It's like, man, I really raise the ceiling on what this team is capable of. And I think children, uh, friends, uh, you know, people you're close with can raise the ceiling of what you're capable of. I don't know that they change the floor. Um, the floor is something that like you have to, you have to change. And I think, when you remove those foundational elements as Joel loses his daughter, or if I lost my kids, it's like, I have no idea what I would do. I hope that I would change. I'd be able to internalize the things that they brought out the best of me in, but there's no guarantee. You take, you, you take out the floor out of someone and maybe it's just gone and maybe you sink lower. And I think that's what happens to Joel. I, I th- sorry, sorry. I was, I was just gonna say, I, I think fundamentally, I, I think your, your read that, that question, I think that is a right read on Joel. 
I think all that happens, and and I think that's the funny thing. Like The Last of Us certainly makes it easy. The part one certainly makes it easy to think this is his rosebud moment, right? Ah, <laughs> this explains who this guy is. And I think there's so much even in that prologue and then throughout with the backstory, the details that are filled in, like, yeah, him being on the other side of ambushes to, like, rip people off. It's like, nope, it's been the same guy throughout. And, like, bad things happen that can excuse that are can be used as excuses or justifications. But, like, I do kind of feel like this is a character who the the waveform of like his of his life of his, his character is just kind of explained by like how good good or bad things are going for him at yeah. the moment but boy it sure jumped out at me that like you know in in part two uh everyone in town's kind of intimidated by joel yeah he's like a living legend but also boy he sure is big daddy isn't he he is <laughs> he is uh the tough foreman that people know not to fuck with uh and he and what do you know He's back to living in the big house with the, uh, you know, the the home meat grinding stuff and all the little like, you know, it, it's not that different from what he lost in Texas. And so when I when I look at Joel, I see I see a really marvelously consistent character that like can be a good guy or a bad guy depending on what is happening, but is actually not like a hero, uh, by by any stretch. Well, and I I think. One of the things, and I don't know how much even both games grapple with this, but there's a strong sense that, you know, a lot of the the, the series is exploring sort of like male vulnerability from Joel's perspective. And it is true that, especially over the course of the first game, and as he's achieved a bit of an arc towards the second game, that he is able to open up a little bit more honestly with people. But being vulnerable in a moment isn't change. It's just the ability to be yeah. vulnerable in a moment. And I think part of where the three of us are landing because of the revisiting this character is I don't know that Joel has really changed. I think he might still fundamentally be an asshole. He is, he's probably capable of change just like anyone is. But as Rob, you know, pointed out, it's based on his circumstances, not because in his heart of hearts, he has ultimately chosen a different path for himself. He can open up to, <clears throat> to Ellie and, oh, when he plays the guitar, boy, doesn't it just make you feel feel something? And it does, but it's 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 smoke and mirrors. It's an illusion. It, it, it is true in the moment. I don't think it's performative. I don't think it is. It is Joel. Joel's not capable of, of, of doing that as an act, but I think it's only true in the moment. And the moment that has that has passed Walt, he's going to revert back to his base instincts, which are uh, a lot gnarlier. And then you put the gnarly context around him. And of course, like he's going to he's going to sink. Well, that's what the story is about on a certain level is I'm fascinated by stories where characters are walked right up to the line of making a big decision that will change their life. And they say, pass, nah, pass. I'm going to double down on the piece of shit that I am. I think that that's kind of what happens to him here is he gets an opportunity to we're told to do something for the greater good. And he decides that he's going to kill a lot of people to save one person instead. Well, and like, it's almost like a psychic revenge story and that he gets mm-hmm. his daughter back. Um, yeah. He gets a daughter back out of this world, out of the shit, <laughs> out of the shit life. And uh, on his terms. You know, exactly. Exactly. One who has to do what he says. Yes. Is like the, the subordinate, uh, you know, I'm, I am your sergeant, uh, and, and you're going to learn from me. Um, 
I, I think, you know, I, I think hanging over all of this is like, what, what does the last of us mean? Right. Because I think in a lot of ways, certainly from that prologue and on a big part of this is who is us and who is them. And Joel is a, it, Joel is a character with a microscopic sense of us. And that's really the difference between him, between him and Tommy. Like Tommy gets involved in the fireflies and such, because like he has this idea of there can be community beyond that. And the, and the funny thing is, Lack of community is also like kind of what destroys Joel too, right? Like he, like he is there is nothing. He is just sort of self sustaining. Well, his daughter was his community, right? Like I think like right. that, like that is what we're getting at is that Joel is fundamentally broken in some ways, but is capable of being better when surrounded by a community that can raise him up. And you take that away from him, and he is just, just a mess. Well, but and I think that's like partly where I get this like notion of him as like a dark creature of the suburbs. Uh, you know, knows the neighbors, uh, you know, to, you know, war- tries to warn off Jimmy not to come near him, but, you know, has the gun ready to shoot him dead just in case. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> dude zombified. You got to do it. But like he tells his daughter, oh, this is only happening to the people in the city. And she asks, like, well, did Jimmy work in the city? And he thinks I'm pretty sure this is a lie. He says, that's right. He did. And I'm not sure Jimmy did work in the city, but it mm. is just this notion of this is not supposed to happen to us. We live out here in our in in our suburb in, in our suburban community uh i got that walled in backyard in part because i want the world to be out there and we are on the we are on the good side of it and i think that you know throughout this game uh the when joel is on his own uh he is the last of us maybe tess occasionally uh you know gets a claim on that and then ellie is sort of folded into that but never the circle never really grows beyond that and I think that's kind of what makes him uh, both like such an effective and possessed killer uh, throughout this. Like, you know, it's hard. It's also hard to imagine a character who who gets Ellie through all this. Uh, that's not that's not Joel. But it is also the thing that's going to cause him to like uh, scupper the entire point of the mission at the end, because ultimately I don't care about the world. I care, I care about us. And that is me and mine. So how do you think Pedro Pascal inhabiting this role role is going to change the reading? Boy, I have been thinking about that (laughs) a fair bit. I, in some ways it's almost, I wish I hadn't played this before. I mean, I guess that series is, you know, maybe six months off or so, but it's not like the further I could get away from the performance would probably be for the better, but I'm, I'm I'm deeply. I mean, I think this series is probably going to be excellent, and uh, but but I think the performances in in these games are so specific that it is going to be really difficult to separate that. But also, Pedro Pascal. How many dramatic roles has has he he done? Like when you think of him, you think of him as a lovable goofball, and like that. There's none none of that is present other than when Ellie is reading out of her joke book, which I wish she would just keep doing for an hour. Um, and I'm just so curious the nuance he brings to that performance. Even his Wonder Woman performance as a Trumpian villain is like soft and lovable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's over the it's over the top, and Joel is the exact opposite of that. He's he's pretty subdued until he goes loud in in combat situations. I'm in some ways, especially because Neil Druckmann is involved in the filmmaking I'm I'm most curious to see like basically story beats won't happen without the approval of the folks that were involved in 
the, you know, these original games creatively, what do they do with these characters when given the chance to essentially have a redo? Does it, does it make Joel more sympathetic? Could you do this series where you come away with the conclusions we have drawn about Joel, but done more, uh, specifically like more, uh, more, more for like for forwarded. I don't know. I don't know if people latch onto a show where Joel is a, a miserable piece of shit. Um, he has to be likable to some degree, and I, I expect that actually Pedro will probably do that. I, you know, Matthew. I always sort of for me, it's partly sometimes actors just become super of the moment. And I when when they announced that Pedro Pascal was cast as Joel, it was like this is the one that he's getting because they're like we want Pedro Pascal in this role. Yeah. And it just never, like, I couldn't quite see it. Or or more accurately, I also couldn't see that there's going to be something super compelling here that, like, I'm not getting from, uh, like, Mandalorian or something, right? Like, there, there's there's that aspect to it. And I, I kind of felt like it, it was a place where, um, you know, you maybe, you maybe needed, honestly, like, maybe someone a bit more of a, you know, character actor uh in some ways i also had this theory of like that the amy hennig era is is defined by nolan north right and like uh you know sort of sort of broad charismatic characters and Druckmann gets in and he's like it needs to be dour everything needs to be more dour and and troy baker is his muse for that and like joel's the perfect like marriage of what Druckmann is good at writing and wants to write um and what the, the the pitch that Baker tends to operate operate at, um, and I don't necessarily see know that I see that matchup in in the casting of Pedro Pascal. But I'm also I'm also curious if it's going to be, are they going to have the guts to make it the same character, right? Because I could yeah. I could are they going to be like, you know, what if Joel's just a, what if Joel's just a really good dad, but like maybe too much sometimes. But like I could see them pulling that punch where they they like. I think there's a persuasive case to be made throughout The Last of Us Part One that secretly you're spending time with a guy who has the capacity to be a monster and has been one in the past and will be one in the future. And I'm not sure a show about those characters will want to do that. Because in part because I mean a lot of folks like one of the reasons that The Last of Us Part One succeeded so much is a lot of folks, myself included, we're so willing to overlook the bad in Joel that you saw maybe conflicts that actually weren't there, um, you know, tensions or, or counter arguments. And I, and I'm curious which of those, which of those readings wins out in the adaptation. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in the same place. And it's, it's also interesting because you have, you know, characters like Tess where, uh, I mean, essentially, you know, we were, we were discussing how Joel doesn't, essentially chooses not to change. I mean, Tess does on a dime. <laughs> like, I think Tess has done things equally as depraved as as Joel. It seems like they've managed oh, Tess to Tess is scarier. Yes. Yeah, Tess is way scarier. But also, but also, Tess r- realizes in, like, in a moment of, like, revelation prior to even being bitten, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, this is bigger than us. Fuck. Yep, yep. We gotta do this. And, like, and ah, and we're bad we people. Build- we can't, we can't be saved but, but we should do this one thing because it means that much. And the only reason it even happens is because she shoves him out the door and he sort of, he can't go back. Like he only goes forward because he can't go back. Um, and 
you know, I thought it was interesting to use that character to to essentially highlight that kind of defect in him, in which it's like, no, you, no, you could, like, you could just look at this as as a new thing, and and you can't, but but Tess did, despite the fact that she has is you know has been your co conspirator well, <laughs> through right. all and, the horrible things, and certainly like t- t- like maybe the character that you think Joel is, Tess is actually that character, where Tess right. is someone who has done a lot of horrible things and has become kind of a horrible person because of the cer- be in, in large part because of circumstances. But the minute she sees the significance of, of Ellie's scar, uh, like for her, the world changes. Like this is like, it, it, like she, like she is willing to like lay her life down. Uh, for, for, she's not given much choice, but you know, she, she sees that this is now the most important thing in the world. Uh, and it could bring an end to the sense of, at any moment you'd be sentenced to death uh because of because of a, a wound um and Joel never gets there you know he he like he like fundamentally he can't he maybe if he does say he just doesn't care enough about like that bigger picture because nah like again world not as important as Joel and the circle of people he chooses to care about but yeah, like you know, you, like you get such a sense that like, you know, Tess comes back from that from that mission gone wrong, having sounds like killed the people who ambushed her. <laughs> yeah. uh, you get the scene where she like approaches the guards in front of Robert's uh, warehouse and gives them like three seconds, and then we get to fuck this, and she <laughs> executes one of them and just gets rolling. And it's like she is she she is quicker to resort to like lethal violence than Joel is. Joel for a lot of these, like he is her muscle i guess in part he is part of like you know he is there to to help out but he is just kind of watching her go rogue uh you know ahead of ahead of his ability to process uh one last thing i want to touch on before we get out of here is um th- this is also a video game uh from what i understand and maybe it is a video game in which you spend a lot of the time standing up and then crouching at very convenient heights uh around uh different structures uh in combat I will say, uh, if I was to look up all the things you can do in Last of Us Part Two, I probably do miss uh, quite a bit of the sort of mechanical evolutions, such as going prone would be very useful uh, here. That said, it's not a game in which you have a lot of long-distance combat happening, in which that would necessarily be super useful, but I'm... Yeah, without surpri- rebuilding the entire... Without yeah. rebuilding most of the environments, you can't do no. a lot of that stuff, no. right? No, but, but, I, but I found... Other than the skill tree being basically useless and not, I mean, maybe it's more important on higher difficulty levels, but essentially I collect medicine so that I can upgrade what I can see in the dark and make the glowy white bits a little further away. Um, It's things like that, that, you know, there's not necessarily friction for, but it does remind you the kind of game you're playing and from the era it came from. I'm just curious, Matthew, like how did, I don't know, how does the actual playing part of it feel relative to more or less a lot of the positive vibes we have about revisiting the story itself. I think it's funny. I think it's very telling that we've been talking about this game for about 50 minutes <laughs> and we have now just gotten around to talking about how the game actually plays and feels. Um, because I think what I remember last of us two, I remember more for its gameplay, but the last of us one, when I think about it, I don't ever think about like, you know, having to reload a save because a clicker saw me for the fifth for the fifth time. You know, I, I remember the story beats. And so it's fine. It's functional here. Uh, I would say the th- one of the things I really appreciate about this remake is that there are so many options 
Um, some of them in the accessibility menu, some some elsewhere that shave off some of the unpleasant edges of this thing. Like there's a lot of uh, which ones have you which ones have you used? I mean, uh, I've I've cranked the uh, auto aim up quite a bit because I just I just kind of wanted to roll through it. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously the the I can't remember what it's called, but the one where you can just you walk into a room and automatically pick everything up, uh, which was that's in th- Last that's of a Us thing I, That's a thing I can turn on. Yeah, you can turn that on in this one. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just like you know, you just kind of cr- go to the, around the edges of the map and you just pick everything up. And you're done. <laughs> does, with does it include opening the drawers? Do I have to open the drawers too? You'll. I mean, you'll go through the animation, but you okay. just like hold one button and just kind of go around the room. <laughs> And it's, and it's done. Uh, you can turn off the puzzles. I don't know if you knew that. So like every time you have to like go and find a ladder in, you know, you It'll can turn that off. The ladder will just be there. It'll just, yeah. You just kind of like skip through it. I could and do so, less ladder moving. Yeah. So you go, go turn those options on because really like we've, we've already played this. Right. It's not 2013 anymore. I don't want to do any of these dumb ladder puzzles ever again. You can turn them off now. You can turn them off. And so that's interesting. Like that's my, that's, that's what I like about actually playing this is that you, if you, there's a lot of options that you can dig through to just kind of make it easier to just go through and just kind of experience the story, which is really, that's why you're here. Right. Uh, Yes and no. I'll, I'll defend the combat. Uh, I mean, like I, I have never, I like all Naughty Dogs games, like broadly speaking, but cannot stand shooting. In Uncharted, like I'm there mostly for the spectacle and the exploration and the moment we're in combat. It's turn up that auto aim. Yeah, it's like, right let's just em. get to the other end of this and get back to the stuff I like. Um, I think part of the reason I found The Last of Us so memorable was that I was really struck by how much I enjoyed the slower paced combat, the more deliberative, uh, contemplative uh, structure to it. And although it's certainly simpler here, especially relative to part two, I don't know. I found myself quite enjoying in fact that you know essentially when you get to when you meet bill this is it's a it's you know every survival horror game hits this point you know sooner or later in this game it's a little sooner than i had hoped where the moment you have the shotgun the combat doesn't become perfunctory but it definitely is in the early hours i enjoyed having to wonder why won't they give me more fucking tape i need to make another shiv because if i get another clicker well i'd like to use the shiv on them but also there's going to be a door around the corner that I'm probably going to need to open with that shiv. And if I don't have that, huh? And I, I, I enjoyed that tension. And now I'm at the, the phase of, of the combat where it's more, I have too much stuff and it's just about what do I want to do to resolve this combat as opposed to, I need to survive it. Um, it happens a little earlier than I remembered, uh, in, in, in the game, but, uh, I don't know. I'm, I am, I, I certainly if there was an option to skip the combat sequences, I don't think I'd be doing that. Um, I, I still yeah. am. I, I enjoy the cat and mouse game. Now that I have a bow and arrow, yeah. I mean, I'm a pig and shit. Like I'm just so, the bow and arrow feels so good in this game. And I love that the first time you shoot it, it's like, hey, you missed. Did you remember that gravity exists? It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, and so then fire again right above it. And then it is just so satisfying. I had a sequence uh this this morning where, you know, I've a flip a it's you know, I, I flipped a uh you know, a bottle, crashes, two guys go scampering after that, and I just stand up right behind them. Whomp, and I'm I'm like a hundred feet away. I'm so far, and it's like, I think I got a beat on it. And I'm like counting as their head is about to pass through 
or like just under the reticle and then whoof, and you watch it just fly and just whoop. And as their body hits the ground, it's really, it's really satisfying. There's an oomph to the combat in last of us that, uh, I still find really satisfying. Um, not to mention how good it feels to throw one of those nail bombs at a uh, section of, uh, infected that still feels pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I've always clicked a lot with Last of Us gameplay, just in general. I think it's uh, just like procedural enough and requires just enough like care and attention uh, to like make it feel like the stakes are pretty high. Even if like if you really tally up all the resources you got in a fight, you're okay. Like you're you'll be fine. There's just enough friction that like the, the yeah. sequence you talked about, Rob, uh, when you get the rifle for the first time, right oh, after yeah. ta- right after the sequence with Tess, um, and you have. Like this big open area, there's like eight or nine different like sort of like SWAT level enemies that are that are coming for you. And it feels good. Like you have too much information, but in a yeah. way that you can still fuck up and you don't want to. Like it's it's a game that, as we've talked about many times in regards to games that are st- stealth based and then go action. Last of Us feels good when you fail the stealth part and go to action, but it's so satisfying to stay in the stealth. So it doesn't feel like a fail state. But I will, I do find myself cranking back to a checkpoint. It's like, no, 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 let's do that again. I was so close yeah, to pulling yeah, that yeah, off yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that I wanted. Even though I even though I could have survived pulling my gun out and just making it to the other end. It doesn't feel like a failure. It's just like, I was so cool, close to doing the cool thing. Although sometimes I clear an area and I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to fully clear. I expected to do a little shooting, but like <laughs> I accidentally I sort of killed everything. One of the funniest things is the... um. The the P, the controller the PS5 controller going green when everything's chill and going red uh, when it's combat. Oh, time. is that what that is? I yeah. I didn't put that it together. It's so funny that like if you're just like does it feel like I'm like it feels like things are pretty chill right now. I'm I'm, I'm safe. I look down, controller's green. I'm like all right, time to just go exploring. <laughs> um, oh, but what's so funny is so this time uh, like I didn't even I was like. Man, this one's this is for Tess. Uh, you bastard! You just killed. You just you just came in and shot her. So the minute they give you the rifle, you see the guys pouring in, right? And they're backlit. They're coming in like through the through the through the back entryway, and there's a long there's a long corridor. And yeah, there's a whole leveling go cat and mouse mouse in. And I was just like, I got five rounds. I count six guys. Let's go. <laughs> and so immediately, I'm just like drawing down. I'm like these tiny helmeted, like like backlit heads, and waiting I, the ten the, seconds for you to reload that individual shell back into the rifle. Oh yeah, dude, it's full sniper and Saving Private Ryan, where it's just like <laughs> bang, one of them drops back into cover. Like you know, you hear the brass come out. That and I think the other part is uh like game sounds incredible like the 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 soundscapes in this game the uh the percussiveness of gunshots um it always feels like it's not just that like it it feels like an event or or a major impactful choice every time you fire a gun but certain guns even just though like, I swear to God, you you hear like the double action on the giant fuck off revolver when you shoot it. It feels like a thing where like the cylinder has to turn, the hammer has to has to crank before it goes. Um, and and just the the way all these these things have such distinctive character, uh, that that matters. I think maybe in a way that it doesn't in Uncharted. Like Uncharted has a lot of different types of guns, but they're all kind of like. You can kind of fudge them, like you know what I mean. Like they're, they're, yeah, I, they're I feel like I have, lo- I have loadouts for you know, yeah. that I'm essentially like when when you start getting the additional holsters where you can and you have enough weapons that it fills all them. It's like oh, when I'm fighting a 
uh, what are they, the bloater. It's like, oh shit, okay, I need to, sw- these are the actual, here are the things that I'm going to use in this scenario. Yeah. And I find myself swapping between that in a way that, uh, you know, when I play a lot of shooters where I've got eight weapons, it's, I don't know. Okay, sure. This is, this is the one I'm using because it's what I just picked up as opposed to things feel very distinctive. I mean, I think that's it look, like I, the animations on the upgrades are, are like some of the coolest shit I've ever, I like, like yeah. just watching Joel do, like, I don't even need to upgrade like the ammo count on this weapon, but Joel, I just want to watch you do it, buddy. I just, I just need to see that again. Like they're just, I don't even know if they're Matthew's accurate. Matthew's moving I back s- to Texas and buying a gun safe. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Matthew's just, taking his thirty thousand dollars he makes from Motherboard, about to become a millionaire. Is what I was what I uh, what I took away from it. There's plenty of McMansions in Plano, Texas, with my name on them. Uh, but no, I think like those those upgrades are, are cool. I, I do think Patrick, you you did I think check me on something, and I think I think you're right. I was like, Last of Us feels scrappy. And like, particularly because of Abby, she has access to all this like old US military equipment in Last of Us Part Two. Like, I remember her just being like terminated the fuck out by midway through that game. Uh, And here it always feels like generally you're using pretty ad hoc weaponry. Everything feels kind of like rugged and beat to shit. Uh, But I think you were right. Like, fundamentally, it's probably an easier game overall because you are given you are given resources that like allow you a lot of get out of jail free cards. Uh, they do. I'm I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm kind of like maybe I do need to turn up the difficulty. I think like, you can do it midway through, which I might I might do. I might do that at this I'm, point. I'm starting to feel like I am just smoking like yes. these levels, and it's 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 a little bit in tension with how desperate the stakes are supposed to feel. Uh, where, whereas I do think for all that they they do load you up with in Last of Us Part Two, I think they might also do a better job of setting scenarios before you where things can get well and truly hairy. And that might also just be a function of the levels were able to be bigger then. Uh, yeah. Like I remember if you don't do stealth right in that hospital sequence as L.A., uh, you can bring a lot of people down on your head um, in that and it can get really out of hand because there's just so many characters in a level. There's so many like they can throw so much more at you. Uh, whereas here, it does tend to feel like, are you a bad enough dude to clear a half dozen enemies in a, in a large <laughs> arena? Yes, I can. I think I can manage that. Uh, so uh, like it, it feels, I think, scrappier maybe than it actually is. But it's kind of all about vibes in games. And I still mm-hmm. fundamentally am here feeling like I like this scrappy, desperate feel of part one. Much, much more than like, uh, you know, well, the U.S. Army took over the Seahawks stadium and built an M16 garden there. Uh, and and that's what you're carrying through the game. Uh, well, I think that'll bring us to the end of this. Is there anything else either of you wanted to to hit on before we real, got out real of here? quick so people can find this and y'all can find this? Uh, when you're playing accessibility options, first alternative controls, auto pickup. That's what you want to put on. And then you just walk into a room. You can go around the edge, pick everything up. The other one is in traversal and navigation. Skip puzzle. Get to a puzzle. Pause it. Skip it. Done. Excellent. Um, you're not going to catch Matt lifting a single plank again. <laughs> no. I left Texas life. for a reason. Yeah. Does it does it also skip having to find the um the little rafts for 
Ellie when she when she can't I swim. I can't swim. Yeah, I got a kid. Got it. <laughs> uh oh, or, yeah. or Jesus. Joel, could you move the big heavy thing so we can jump on it? <laughs> yeah, okay. So it, look, it's not all it's not all golden. Uh I will I will just say this. Uh Last of Us Part One imagines Boston's MBTA as being like Oh, like a sewage filled, uh, like monster, monster overrun, crumbling hellhole after 20 years of neglect uh, and like apocalypse. And I'll be goddamned if uh, Charlie Baker didn't manage to do that to the T in like just, you know, 10 years of normal governance. <laughs> uh, like you're, you're in the T and like. Because multiple parts of the T now right now in Boston are basically shut down. The feds just like shut down the red line. We're like, this is unsafe to use. Uh, and it's it's so badly administered. Like all the stations are feel like they're crumbling. And I like I go into this game and I'm like, you know, really, it's kind of just like the T, but they turn the lights off. You know, that's that's kind of the big difference. <laughs> so uh, I, I like I that is, that is one thing that does jump out at me in places is like. Boy, there's a lot of uh, visions of crumbling infrastructure that the people making this game in like 2010, 2013 are like, what would it take to cause America to look like this? <laughs> Probably a huge viral play that turns people into zombies. And it's like, eh. or you can just elect Republicans. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. Uh, well, that's going to bring it to the end of uh, the podcast. Uh, if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us uh, at Waypoint on Twitter. At Waypoint Vice on Facebook, YouTube. Um, our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. Uh, you can follow me at Patrick Klubik. Rob, where can people follow you? At Rob Zachney. Uh, Matthew, where can people follow you? At MJ Galt. And one final thought. Please. Joel would have a Let's Go Brandon flag in his front yard. Just throwing that Wow, out we didn't, we, I'm, that's an, hmm. You're probably right. Oh my god. He'd be if they had lived, he'd be fighting with Sarah every Thanksgiving. Oh man. We moved out of Round Rock for we moved out to Round Rock for a reason. Austin just got too freaky. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Well, we already concluded he's an asshole, so I think we're 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 okay. Um uh, Matthew, what else? What else are you are you working on? What else you, you got? You the cyber podcast every week. Uh, yes, what, what else I am you got on, going on over motherboard. I am on the cyber podcast uh, where we we're doing a lot of stuff for the Terraform book. My cat is walking on my soundboard right now, which is an inopportune time. Uh, Doug, an interview with Douglas Rushkoff is coming up later this week. It's very good, and I also host the Angry Planet podcast where we just talked to Steve Inskeep for an hour about Afghanistan. Check that That's out the, wherever fine pods are casted. Inskeep, NPR, right? I'm trying to mm-hmm. like claw that out of my brain back when I listened. I think I used to listen to a daily or weekly podcast with, with him on it all the time. Very cool. All right, well, that is us calling it a, a wrap on Waypoint Radio. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.